Welcome to the Deep Dive, episode 51, round 21 review. How are you, Mr. Smith? Good, Trent, mate. How are you doing? Today? Well, uh, whole weekend, really. Whole weekend, I'm doing well. So we are we are here a day ahead of time. We've got a bit on this week, so we're just going to get the review out of the way in order to get everything done by the week's end. Yes. So that's why we are a day ahead. We have seen a fair bit of football still, though, so we should, I think, dare say we'll, we'll still be able to get through it. We'll get through it. <laughs> dare we say we, well, we should be okay. Massive thanks to our mates at Hops to Home. So they're our fantastic sponsors, hopstohome.com.au. So craft beer delivery service, definitely check them out. They're a subscription service to quality craft beer. So this month they've got their fantastic August pack that's mm. just come out. So Yeah, some, good range there. Yeah, really unusual, interesting beer. So there's a rye IPA. There was all sorts of different stuff. So a brute IPA, so it's a combination of a champagne and an IPA, which is about as whack as it can get from Wolf of the Willows. So wow. definitely check them out, hopstohome.com.au, some really easy drinking ones, but then also some really wacky stuff as well. Really interesting mix. So August is still fairly cool down here in Old Maid Vic, but there's uh, still some plentiful beers. They're obviously matching it with the way AFL is going at the moment. We have a bit of wackiness going on. <laughs> Strange things Strange happening. Strange things happening. So frustrating which... things happening in the AFL. Absolutely. So their, their beers are well done and not frustrating. It's... Um, that's about the, there is a, some point of difference, but I know and consistent too. They yeah, they yeah. arrive on your door exactly when you need them to yep. each month. It's not a big game, and Melbourne see you later again. So. Yes, yeah, so, and we'll definitely get into that well, game when we, we get to it. Well, so, we. yeah, massive thanks to our mates at Hops to Home. They've been fantastic supporters of ours, and as listeners of AFL Deep Dive, you get a promo code which is fantastic. So on your first case, you get twenty five dollars off. So definitely check that out if you add AFL Deep Dive in the promo code. On your first case, you get 25 bucks off, which is great because yeah, their absolutely. price is already super reasonable. They they get that obviously you can walk into a store and, and get craft beer at good prices, so they definitely factor that in. And you know the shipping already is very reasonable. Yeah. So then on top of that, to get the 25s, fantastic. So yeah, absolutely. And if you're just sort of starting your way into craft beer, this is a great way to get introduced to yeah. stuff that you might not know a lot about because they do source it from right around the country. Uh, we often talk about big producers and smaller producers and they do it right, nice mix. right across yeah, yeah, yeah. So which is really something good. interesting even stuff that Trent and I have never heard of comes through the pack yeah. and we're like oh wow and we're this? dorks yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're a bit, a bit nerdy we're, when it comes to craft beer <laughs> that's it and they always throw some interesting stuff in so definitely check them out hopstohome.com.au and that promo code again is AFL Deep Dive let's bang into the round so we are going to do a ladder recap because there's been so much that has happened so we're recording this on Sunday night so there will be i'm sure something that will come out tomorrow but we still know a fair bit obviously of what ha- what's happened and it was the sort of round where you know it was, was very football focused there really wasn't too much certainly nothing like last not week, like last it, week no. yeah so we can actually just talk about footy footy yeah, yeah it, which is it, good we got mitch brown was um yeah he, i mean he's going to be sent to the tribunal but look uh, that's not anywhere near the sort of problematic scenario as gaff no, was which no boxing no, well, I mean, Gaff, Gaff was from a top team, whereas obviously a St Kilda losing a player's, you know, for two more weeks, probably going to be okay. Could help them. Could help them. Might fix things. Yeah. So we will keep moving. But before we do, let's definitely look at the ladder because so much has happened. 
So round 21 is complete. So we've only got two more weeks of the home and away season, which is fascinating from here. And it, it's incredible as much as everyone's, not everyone, that's, that's a bit harsh, but a lot of people are complaining that, you know, football's in a funny old place. And we've still got a hell of a lot of teams. We've got into, 11 teams that are still yeah. vying for finals position. And there's only two weeks left and of home and away. Apparently the game's cooked. So, oh, the game's really cooked, oh, yeah. it's horrendous. So yeah. let, let's, let's run through the ladder. So I think it's about time that we did this. And just as a heads up as well, we do do some of these ladder updates on our Beyond the Game show as well. So we, we normally were doing this sort of in the podcast and that it, it is quite good to do and we will definitely keep it up next year throughout the, our normal podcast but it's really good to talk about it on, on the video format because you guys can see the ladder and we can sort of talk through the percentages and, and the different points and how a draw might affect or how this might affect and just makes it a bit easy for you guys to look through but we yep. will do a bit of a run through so definitely check out the Beyond the Game live show so on Tuesday nights Tuesday nights 7.30 yep. Facebook live on Beyond the Game TV and that is AES, AEST so AEST, Australian yeah. Eastern Standard Time 7.30 yep. and you get to see me and Trent talk more two bozos yeah That's two bozos it. more about football about some of the overarching bigger sort of picture stuff um, General stuff. And then might touch on one or two games in the upcoming yeah. round. So. Well, last week, obviously, there was the gaff thing, the score review. We didn't have time. We did, ended up doing a little bit into Hawthorne Geelong, but we just didn't have time to go too deep. But in the normal programming, generally in a week, we'll do probably one game. And then we'll, you know, might do a bit of ladder recap. Then we might talk about, you know, overarching football commentary. Yeah. So, because we get sent questions all the time and we just can't fit it into the normal programming. So it is really, really good. So check that out beyond the game on Facebook. Yeah, so we're, we're on the East Coast, so it does run AEST 7.30pm. So let's let's bang into it first. So obviously top of the ladder, Richmond. So Richmond have locked in their top, top two. two. Yep. yep. So massive story. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of teams really in the last little bit in recent history do quite well and then drop away the following year. So we saw Adelaide make the, the grand final last year, minor premiers, and they're not going to make finals this year. So that, that chance is gone now. And yeah, so Richmond to back it up is, is, is amazing. a big, big tick. Yeah. And yeah, I think the thing for me is, you know, there's a, a lot of these dynasties more recently and, you know, Hawthorne and, and Geelong and Brisbane prior to that, that I think people started to think this was semi-norm, that this is what's going to sort of happen all the time. And I think a lot of people need to understand that that there was a bit of luck in that. Like, that's not going to happen oh, yeah. all the time. We're not going to get three dynasties really in a row now. I think it's going to be a bit more random. So, may, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's unlikely. I don't think we're going to see... Not not to get three in a row and all that sort of stuff. It's very hard to do. Oh, There's absolutely. too many good teams. Look how even it oh, is. Because I just think... At the very least, this Richmond team could be like the Geelong. I reckon they can get three flags over six or eight years. So hard, very early, but yeah, I mean, very early, you're but very confident in them. Yeah, I just, I just look at how well structured, well balanced Richmond is at the moment. Yes, they got a lot more competition than the Hawthorne team and yeah. the Geelong team did, and obviously even more competition than what the Brisbane team had. Yeah, as far as multiple teams, I mean, obviously, Rich, uh, Brisbane didn't win their three P because there wasn't competition, but it was only two or three real well, Collingwood, teams, Essendon, and, yeah. and Port Adelaide. And then obviously, the yeah, 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 I, yeah, agree. And anything can happen. That's how quick things can change. We've already seen Essendon and Collingwood turn their season around. Yeah, this year um, to be a one a legitimate contender for the yeah. flag, and the other still in the hunt for a but, final spot. So. But that said, it does come in waves. I don't think we're going to get that all the time. So oh no no no. So yeah, Richmond on top with sixteen wins and four losses. So they've locked in that top two. So they are going to get that home final, which is definitely what they want because they haven't won a game away this year, but they've won every game at home. 
Yeah, so they haven't lost yeah, on the G. Yeah, well, they haven't lost it in Victoria. So in Victoria, it, yeah. Idiot as well. So they've won everywhere, but obviously you haven't barely played. So they don't they have barely to played. Yes. Exactly, yeah. So unless something really crazy happens in that first final. So sitting very well, 64 points, 139.7. So doing very well, 16 and 4 is fantastic. And their last two games, so they've got Essendon, which you'd, you'd think they're, they're a very big chance, if not a... They're not a lock, but they're definitely a big but, chance to win that game, especially... They would with, go in favourites. Well, obviously. with Sardin, yeah. Sardin Fantasia, which we will get into into the game and then the final round so Richmond have got the Dogs which had a miraculous win just now uh, earlier today but at the same time and you know, you'd still favour Richmond so but they're obviously it doesn't matter anyway they drop the two they're still going to finish top two and then second place we've got the Eagles so Eagles sitting with 60 points 123% so still fairly good uh, unbelievable win which we will obviously get into over the port 15-5 and five, which is a fantastic record and look I had you and I both had West Coast just out of the eight at the start of the year, so to see them sitting where they are now is unbelievable, incredible. Yeah, and with the injuries that they've had to undertake Go, yeah. throughout throughout the season, offensively especially, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, after you've listened to this, guys, if you haven't seen the, oh, it'll be up on YouTube or on uh, one of the socials. But Nick Natanui's uh, yeah. little video about the game it was pretty funny to watch. It only goes for about. 15 seconds or something but check it out it's uh, just the last few moments of when McGovern Ooh, he did the same thing with Shelly I mean it's he, he's missed a hell of a lot of football hasn't yeah, he yeah so he gets to watch a lot of it it sort of told me a bit more that he's just he's watched a lot of Eagles rather than playing for the Eagles yeah. but and then third place, massive bolters in the back end of the season. They've done really well. And again, quality win over Brisbane, who we really rate in the, the round just gone in GWS. So 54 points, 120.4. So doing pretty well. 13, 6, and 1. So they no, were. Adelaide, you mean? Uh, GWS, I'm talking Yeah, but about. they didn't beat Brisbane, they beat Adelaide. They. You said Brisbane. Sorry, Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, Adelaide. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adelaide, yeah. Quality win over Adelaide, which, you know, they're a tough side. You know, really, really quality side. And 16, you know, they've been pretty Good 13 6 and 1 yeah. is, is solid. So. Yeah, considering two months ago, everyone was like, they can't right get in, they can't get stuff. into finals, but that just, just shows how yeah. a deep they do that. But having their first grade top 22 basically playing now and winning in a row, too. You know, they've gone away, they've gone to Canberra, they've, they've been all over the yeah. show, so that, it's they've done really, really well. And the way they patch things up, and I want to talk when we get to the GWS game a little bit about the coaching side of, of GWS because there's a few things that I noticed in the Canberra game which were really impressive. And yeah. Can you believe it? In fourth place, Hawthorne, they've just come from the clouds, 52-121. So 13 wins, 7 losses. So, yeah, they've won the last four in a row, which is incredible. And, you know, the, the dark days of uh, long, long drought from, from 2015, they look like they might, might actually win soon again, which is uh, pretty outrageous. But Hawthorne, you know, they're an incredible football side and you have to hand it to them. And, you know, their kids look fantastic as well in, you know, your Burtons and Warples and... There's a lot to talk about out of that match, but they they look fantastic, and you know, you give Clarko a sniff, and you'll uh, yeah, he's he's, he's, and he's, oh, he's definitely the he's master. Maniac. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely the master coach. Uh, depending on how the season pans out, he's definitely in the conversation of coach of the year just to get Hawthorne wet. This is not me being biased. This is just looking at where they were last year and where they've got to now. 
um, obviously getting the best out of their out of the players that are available to them. Still haven't got the best 22 on the park, haven't had all year, doing pretty well. Uh, like GWS, in, in a lot of senses, been able to bat pretty deep um, and, and bring out the best in some of the second-tier players that weren't getting a sniff at AFL level yeah. last year and the year before. So, yeah, it happens to, to, to certain teams, and I think the coaching panel um, at teams like GWS, Hawthorne, well, the top four, actually, they've, they've just got a great group of people behind the players. Yeah, so incredible seeing Hawthorne on the four and then Collingwood still holding their position. So they played Brisbane. So 52 points, 1, 18, 13, 7. So... Yeah, look, the, the Pies are still very much in it. it. There's a few injuries that... So they're only sitting at fifth with percentage, and so is sixth. So they're still really holding on, the Pies. And, you know, you'd think they're absolutely going to not only play finals, but they'll certainly create a bit of damage in the back end of the year. They're a really quality side. And even though their their back line's been a little bit decimated and they've been hurt through different sections of the ground, and that always really hurts you when you get two or three different sections hurt, but th- they still look pretty good. Yeah, the, and the next thing we'll talk about in Sydney... Uh, so Sydney Collingwood... Hawthorne were on 52 points yeah. and they've all grounded out pretty tough wins over the weekend. It'd be very unusual to see those three teams drop out of from here. I mean, mathematically they could, but that two-game break, a decent percentage break on most of the other teams. I think there's only I think there's only one more change. I think Port, or well, I think I, I think potentially Melbourne come out of the eight as much as Melbourne fans won't want to hear that. I think Melbourne might come out of the eight. I think the Cats go in. I, I think the Cats, two very soft games to come. Yeah, as, and- as much as, you know, there have been some games where they absolutely shouldn't have lost and lost in the way they lost. I, they've been very close in a lot of games, obviously, as well. They're a funny old team this year. But I, I reckon that's the, one more change, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get into that we'll a little bit once yeah. we get down. But yeah, and then obviously but Sydney, Sydney, then, Sydney absolutely, yeah. like today, talking about um, gutsy wins, down to the, their probably favourite ground at being the MCG up against a team that everyone was tipping as top four and in Melbourne that is and Melbourne once again disappointed their team once again mentally fragile hey yep disappointed their teammates their coaching staff their fans AFL fans in general just did not turn up today they uh, really poor a bit like what I guess a lot of people refer to to the Giants over the last couple of years is champagne football and they've got all these classy players but not willing to do the the hard yards well they they the struggle in the mental department and the mental department and Sydney yeah. come come from nowhere had, had a pretty lean month and all of a sudden this slow team looks bloody fast and, mm. and, and in control on the big ground that is the MCG so yeah. so the Swans yeah they don't probably care if they get a home final they probably prefer not to have one and just play away at these big grounds whether it be over in WA or in Melbourne yeah so Swanee's at 6th so the only big problem so they're 52 points as you mentioned as well 109% yeah, is not Really not ideal. Low. So thirteen seven, obviously, with the same points, but yeah, really, really not ideal. One oh nine percentage really hurts because above them, Collingwood one eighteen, and then below them one thirty. So yeah, so they've definitely got to win at least one of their remaining two games. They yeah, can't well, afford to drop a game. Both the the Sydney derby becomes fascinating next week. So seventh in Melbourne in that really disappointing loss. So yeah, forty eight. So they're that next game below twelve eight, and then one hundred and thirty. So incredible percent. So the, the big thing with Melbourne, and this we, we're going to have to get into it in this episode. So when we do get to that game, the the reality is Melbourne, you know, really beating down on teams below them, but really struggling to beat anyone above them. And you know, sitting at twelve eight, it, it yeah, it really starts to tell a story. And you know, with Geelong, two very soft games coming up with Frio 
in Geelong and then Gold Coast in Geelong too. Gold Coast were pretty yeah. appalling again. I mean, you'd, that's you'd think that, that, that that's going to happen. And, and Melbourne yeah. are the opposite. They've got to show some real ticket because they've got to play two teams above them on the ladder. There's still a game ahead, but at the same time, with that percentage, but at the same time, yeah. Got looks, GWS and the West Coast. There's going to be some good teams that miss out on the eight this year. And then, yeah, so that, so that was Melbourne. And then la, last outside, you know, in the eight, sitting in port. So obviously not a, not a great scenario for them this week Again, as well yeah. so 12 mental eight. scarring as well two teams so the two mental teams that you know what's, I mean that's the thing the two teams that struggle with you know I think some you know, late strategy and a whole range of things which we will get into so Port's you know finishing rounding off that eight and then Geelong knocking on the door obviously very very close to Hawthorne nearly snatched it in the end but still a bit off 11-9 doesn't matter if you're in a lot of games you've got to win them you've got to win them yep 44 points, and then North with this in, uh, unbelievable loss. It, the ladder should look quite different. They should be sitting a, a, a notch above, but then North sitting at 10th, 44 points with the Cats, 109 versus 117 in the Cats. So Cats only sitting ahead by percentage. Yeah, North had such a chance to get that done. Incredible, they lost that game. And then Essen and rounding it out. Big problem, obviously, as we've spoken about for weeks now, is their percentage, 104, 44 points, same as the, the bottom sort of, three outside of the eight and then after that Adelaide free yeah, so Adelaide are now, now they're out so there's amazingly 11 teams still in the race yeah. and all those 11 teams have got percentages over 100 which I, we'd have to go a fair way back in the record books to actually see that because a lot of teams who have played finals for memories like your North Melbourne's and Sydney's have got into finals by winning games but their percentage has been quite low so it is Obviously, if you just look at this, uh, we're in a pretty healthy state, I reckon. Yeah, and I think, look, for me, Adelaide, so they're out now. I mean, yeah, I mean the obvious reality is they're sitting with 10 wins. And I mean, this this year, you're going to need 13 to get in. And there's only two more games. So the reality is there's, there's just not the numbers there. And they play North Melbourne, so either one of those win-lose doesn't... So that, 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 that almost balances out a game, yeah. That game basically becomes, well, Adelaide could really rupture North's chances, which is a fascinating scenario. And then that... That's it. So obviously below Adelaide, so Adelaide at 12th and then Freo at 13, Dogs at 14, St Kilda at 15, Lions at 16. It's incredible seeing a team that's that polished that low. Yeah. And then, well, polished sort of. And then Gold Coast Suns at 17th and then 8th, 18th obviously Blues. It's so hard with Brisbane. I mean, they're, they're, they are genuinely decent side. It is amazing to see them that low down, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we'll obviously, hopefully if this trend continues and those young players have that extra preseason and obviously a year together they don't lose too many players those really close games and there's been a handful where they've been within two three goals even if they split those the ones that they've lost split win lost that's another probably four or five wins and all, all of a sudden we're talking about eight wins so they're up near Adelaide yeah so yeah fascinating and then oh, I mean I'm just sort of looking in the uh, the right hand column on our screen here about what's coming up next week and there's only two teams that are vying for finals that are playing teams that can't play finals and the rest all play each other so <laughs> next week's it's crazy, looking crazy it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the run home looks fantastic. So we just want to do a little bit of, of a run through the ladder. Uh, definitely check it out. I mean, for me, that that middle section of the top eight moving forward and then, you know, the two big issue teams in the eight in Melbourne and Port dropping down. So, yeah, fascinating yeah. scenario. I think, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think there's at least one more change, potentially two, with that top eight. 
it all comes down after Friday night. I'll know more. If Essendon get over Richmond, then I still think they're in a ch- within a chance. But that's a big if. if they, I mean, it's a very big yeah, if. Yeah, I, I think Geelong are the most likely because they got the two games at the Cattery against very low opposition. And the big problem is the two teams that are at bottom end of the eight. So Melbourne and Port at seven to eight. So Melbourne have got West Coast next week, and then Port have got Collingwood. So that's the thing. Yeah. Like they, well, they're almost flip of the coin games. Flip of the coin, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. so be interesting. We'll talk more about that when we do our re- uh, preview for round yeah. twenty-two. Two, yeah. So let's bang into round twenty-one. So interesting round. Some very very good games. The the Hawthorne Geelong game was amazing, and we will get pretty deep into that. There was some other really interesting games, but for me that was probably the pinnacle. That was probably yeah. one of the better games of the year, as they often put on. But there was some some interesting games throughout. So we'll start on the Friday night. Essendon versus the Saints. One twenty-two versus seventy-nine. Not the greatest game on a Friday night at Etihad Stadium. So, look, Essendon really getting the job done. We said that Essendon would win by about 40-odd points, and that's pretty yeah, much exactly that's what, what happened. So, yeah. Look, the Saints were competitive at least through pieces of the game, but they were never they never really looked like a chance. 5-3 to 4-4, 10-8 to 6-8, 14-13. So Essendon really peppering in the third to 7-8, and then 18-14 to 11-13. So, yeah. Once again, the age-old thing with St Kilda. Yeah, would that sound like a yeah? Would that sound like a broken record? We do say this every week almost with St Kilda is they had their opportunities in front of goal, and so did Essendon. And if Essendon had it kicked accurately, they would have blown this out wide up. But St Kilda definitely could have made this a much closer game had well, they kicked straight, especially in the first half. I asked you, you know, yesterday. I mean, the big thing for me is that. How can how can Dixon keep his job? Like, not to really go after him, but surely the question has to be asked. I mean, he's been brought in to try to improve St Kilda's goal-kicking, and it's and been almost the issue for them this year. I mean, statistically, they've lost more games because of that than any other team, team. by a long way. Like, it, it's it's they're so far ahead, they're starting to you know enter into all-time records. Like, it is just unbelievable yeah, if you could have... how uncompetitive this team is because they just can't provide any scoreboard pressure. Yeah, if you've got a coach or an expert, whatever you want to contract or whatever he is, there for a specific reason and the opposite is happening. Surely you, the question has cannot, to be asked. You can't justify his existence or to be there again. Uh, he, look, he might be a good coach, but it's not whatever he's teaching these guys at St. Kilda is not working. He might work somewhere else and he probably get a work job somewhere else and all that type of stuff. And if you look at his career, yeah, it was pretty good. I can so I'm not saying that St. Kilda made the wrong choice, but I absolutely agree. He's not getting the job done. And if you do that in any other industry, you don't keep your job. And it's a systemic problem too. It's been throughout their whole forward line. It's been really poor this year. So Yeah, I mean, and there's been players at that club that have had the goal kicking yips some of them well, memory, superstars memory was of... okay last year I mean he actually wasn't that bad but yep. I mean now you're seeing him basically completely non-competitive but anyway look, we'll get into the game but that was just something that you know, I think is worth discussing because yeah. it, it is just absurd like if you did that level of your role in terms of what you do for a living like that you're not going to keep your job no so it does seem shocking but it looks like there's going to be quite a few you know changes at the end of the year to say the least and 
all the rumors you hear about the St Kilda coaching group that's uh, definitely the drums are, are beating. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is you know I, I think I think Ratner would be gettable, but with I don't I have no idea where his mind is at in terms of um, Alan Richardson going. The big problem is you don't sack a coach until you've got someone that's that's you think's legitimately better to to overtake, and he could be quite good. But it is it is obviously hard. Yeah, to we make. don't. Yeah, and as you said, we actually don't know Ratner after what's last 12 months he's had to endure he might just want to get out of football and spend some time with his wife and family so well, I think he's indicated he wants to stay in football but I think the the thing is that yeah I, I don't know who knows we've, we have no idea obviously after no. his, his son died that we've got no idea whether he would legitimately want to you know go into such a hardcore role which is senior coaching but especially St Kilda coaching yeah it might be, be a bit stressful <laughs> but let's let's bang into the game so we'll start with the bomb race so yeah they were they were brilliant yeah like, I mean, look, the, the best way to summarise it is, look, Essendon, you know, are clearly a rung above. And, and the only reason that St Kilda was slightly in the game through a bit of the first quarter and a bit of the second quarter was that Saad and Goddard were injured. So both, so Saad was hit by Mitch Brown uh, from St Kilda and then Goddard did a, a knee. So we don't know necessarily. Yeah, so they were down to two, yeah. right, basically within Pretty much minutes. very yeah. early on. So that, that's the story really out of this game was that that happened relatively early on and then that affected the game. But it, it's it's not something that I mean, if that hadn't happened, this would have been a you know a ten goal win at, at least. I don't see that not happening for me. Oh, if those it, two were there, I don't see that. It was deja vu from the week before yeah. with a team that is superior on paper and brought it to the field with less players on the ground. And I'm talking about the GWS Carlton game from the week before, not to the same degree, but Essen. Yep, dealt dealt with the the setback that I had and just went. You know what? We're such a better team. We'll yeah. keep, continue to play our game style of footy, and they did it in emphatic conditions. And knowing what lies ahead of them, they got that percentage that might just get them into the final, especially with a couple of teams starting to falter. I'm not saying they will, but they're at least putting their uh, shoe in the ring to still be there come September if they continue to win. Yeah. So I mean, we'll start from the beginning. I mean, look. At Initially, Essendon was sort of overusing the ball a little bit as well. The Saints' pressure was actually not that bad. I mean, Essendon started well, but they were just overusing the football a little bit and, and sort of leading themselves into trouble. And look, as I said, the, the Saints' pressure, I, ha- I have to admit, was actually not half bad. But yeah, then then that sort of led on into these injuries, which sort of gave St Kilda a bit of a window to sort of, you know, read out the scores before to sit sort of in and around there. But then that, that sort of fell away. I mean, the big thing for me early was after the gaff incident with the, you know, the last game of last round, I was really surprised to see this game be so physical. Mm. You know, and seeing, you know, Brown basically try and ride off Saad and that he was very late. Like he knew exactly what he was doing. So for me, that was quite surprising. So I didn't, certainly didn't see that coming. I thought this would be a pretty clean... Pretty easy going game given that happened, but I guess you know not not that's not necessarily going to affect the following game. No, yeah, it's surprising though. Yeah, it makes you wonder whether some players do go into a contest going, oh yeah, I don't think we can beat them, so we're going to have to beat them up. Maybe I mean, look, the, the thing like, for is me, he not. I don't think he deliberately yeah. went to try and take Sard out and, no. and clean him up, but just show some physicality just to make the opposition players think twice about poorly where they executed, go for the next. Though. Yeah, it was poorly executed. It was at least two uh, two steps too late. Yeah. I mean, he was going full power and obviously he wouldn't have been able to pull up in time but that's when you you sort of 
the yeah. difference between a quality team and a quality player as opposed to teams that are struggling is he if that had been Essen, the Essen player probably would have held himself up and tried to corral the player with the ball rather than go full steam at ahead at him and take his head off. Yeah, that's it. But I yeah, look ultimately that gave them a real window and I, I think look again, St Kilda's delivery was just you know awful I mean that's the thing like the, uh, most of these pieces that they get right they're such a frustrating team to watch they get some elements right but just their delivery and, and, and then on top of it their accuracy is just so poor so but we will obviously go to Essendon now I mean look they are the winners and we always try to start with the winners but look Heppel just stands up you know he just he, he supported down back really really well all day and Hooker actually went forward, which was, was really interesting with all the downs that they had. So that really, really worked. And I thought Worsfold coached quite well on the day. Yeah. Um, the, the Essendon, for me, this, you know, there's, there's moments where I thought they are starting to look a little bit gassed. Like they, they have really gone hard the last 10 to 12 weeks. And because of those losses, they've really had to push it. So I'm, I'm, I'm full credit, I'm not having a go, but I just think that there were signs where they just looked a little bit lethargic. Yeah, nine, 19 weeks ago, they had to put in so, that, so, so much, much extra effort, yeah. effort to get those wins well, to build momentum and all it's that like kind of stuff. It's like Sydney last year. Sydney, yeah. Sydney had that you know awful period early on, and they were basically, as John Longmire described, they were playing elimination final nearly every, every week. Every week, yeah. So that, that takes a mental toll and a physical toll. But yeah, look, I think ultimately they've just still got so much polish. You know, Devin Smith stepped up and then, you know, he's really become yeah. such a barometer. That, that Merritt and McGrath yeah. again were brilliant. So, the, I mean, the future, the next five years, they look Essendon great. looks fantastic yeah. because it's not being your Heppels and your Hurleys, these senior players always having to be the top players week in, week out yeah. to get wins on the board. It's Smith. It's, and, yeah, yeah, it's always that quality. sort of 22 to 25 year. And they're the ones you want coming through to take charge and, and play really consistent football week in, week out. I'm not saying they have to get 30, 40 touches or 20 tackles or whatever the case may be, but they've just got to, as a team or as a little nucleus within the team, work together to start um, taking over that leadership role on the field. Yeah, I mean, Essendon's ceiling for me is ages away. I mean, that, mm. that, this is the thing. This team's going to be fantastic next year. Once they get you know a bit, bit more in the park and, and the, the, all the story is that Essendon actually have a bit more salary cap room so they might be able to bring somebody else in as well. Yeah, but well. Tip and Woody ha- has been fantastic. I thought he was excellent in this game too. He's just such a beautiful mark. Reads the play so well. And what a tackler he is as well. He's yeah. tackling... He's just elite. Yeah. Um, all, it was, all day was It was fantastic. probably his most well-rounded game that I've seen this year, probably over the last two years. So he, he got enough of the ball, had 15 touches, seven tackles, three marks, and kicked five goals straight. That's he's fantastic. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then he's like so many uh, small indigenous, like the pressure... Yeah. So if, if you're, he's near the ball, every opposition player is under pressure because they know he's there and he's going to hassle and niggle and tackle. And, and, and yeah, it's just tough he, tough to be clean when he's around. Yeah, and his ability just to read the ball too. Yeah. He reads the play so beautifully. He really he really knows a step ahead of what's going to happen. So Fantasia down as well. So that's the thing. They just, a lot of soldiers down. Sort of like the GWS game last week. They were quite good, but they just kept losing people. So Fantasia, not great. So it sounds like he's definitely not going to play 
next week, which we will talk about in the preview. But that, that obviously didn't help either. So I, I thought Essendon's adjustment from the coaching perspective and the players as well, because they've got to adapt to it too, I, I thought you know the, the two elements there worked really, really well in tandem. And, and you know with all those outs in a night to, to really adjust like that offensively and defensively, I thought it was fantastic because there, there was a, you know, some serious switches. You know, Hooker was very much in, in one place and then all of a sudden it's like, hang on, we need to, do, to play an opposite role. And that's what's great about their side is they do have players that can play both ends really, really yeah, well. And yeah, lots of yeah. yeah, and you need that in modern footy. You can get away with having maybe three to four players on your list that have a specific role. I mean, obviously, with the rule changes and rules that are current, you can have a Ruckman that plays as a Ruckman. If you've got a backup, it's nice to be able to rest them forward or back and all that type of stuff. But other than that, everyone's got to be a two-way player or be able to play in multiple positions if they want to have consistent game time, do something for their team in a constructive way. Yeah. Other, Myers as well. Another comment, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit because it's obviously not a massively exciting game. But, I mean, Tib and Woody's marking. Another thing I want to talk a bit about was Myers kicking. Like, his field kicking is becoming excellent. Excellent, yeah. He's similar to Tib and Woody, his ability to read the play, but just, just his ability to kick it low and fast. He's got that really, you know, beautiful knack of a, of a modern footballer to kick it really low and really fast and just, just hit, hit you straight up flush. He's, he's a fantastic player, so. But look, yeah, I mean, St Kilda, it doesn't help. I mean, their, their direction from the back half was appalling. I mean, this this is about as damning as it can get. So total rotations through the night, because obviously Essendon were, you know, so far down. So it was 51 to 90 total rotation throughout the night. So, you know, St Kilda players getting gassed so much more regularly and, and having to, to go off the ground and, and being rotated so much more regularly versus you know, basically half their amount of rotations. And in the fourth quarter, there was a point where it was 0 to 25 rotations. So wow. no Essendon players rotating and St Kilda players and they didn't very look, regularly rotating. And they did not look slow at any point in that game. Oh, I think there was a small point in the second, but you're right. Generally speaking, they were pretty good. Like, yeah. they, they, I mean, there was a point where I think they were like, it's so I, I, I want to wait a little bit on it. I'm not trying to say that they're lethargic and they're like gas completely. It's it's hard to tell because in a game like this, especially against poor opposition, it is hard to tell kind of where the team is necessarily at. The next week is about as good as a test as you're going to get with Richmond. But, I mean, yeah, the, the thing for me with Essendon is there was a passage there where they did look a little tired, but it's hard to... It, simultaneously, it kind of... It, it came at the same time as them also thinking, well, hang on, this piece has got to go here, this piece has got to go there. Okay, if that piece is gone, then I've got to cover off this. Without Sard's run, then we're going to need to free free up this and you know so there was a lot of sort of different elements like that it's hard to know whether it was out of frustration and could it okay hang on we got to i've got to play chess with my left hand now yeah rather than which is great because yeah and that's a, not a problem showing of their course, supporters yeah. how mature hopefully that's the how thing. mature they are yeah. as, a, as a unit because i want to see a good game next week i don't i don't want to see them just you know we're cooked now and, and that's it because they, no. they, to, to be fair i mean if they enter into the finals pretty exhausted. I, I wouldn't be that surprised because they've had to pull such an incredible Houdini together to yeah. get to the finals and, and they're not there yet but they're knocking on the door knocking and it's, the door. it's very much possible they win the next two games and they're, they're very they're up to their ears in it. 
But yeah, look, really good game. I mean, the only thing that really kind of kept it semi-close and kept St Kilda in it because they were really poor in the night was that you know Essendon had you know multiple multiple injuries which really didn't help in key areas. And I thought it was outstanding f- from the group to do that. Oh, absolutely. A few other little notes. I mean, imagine Seb Ross in a good side. So, he so we're going to flip over to talk about Saints a little, little bit. bit yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's not much more to talk about. There isn't but, much, yeah, but he I mean, is definitely yeah. a shining light. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the few shining lights. I mean, you look at his stats. He, he, he and Jack just, Steele. So probably, Seb Ross. I mean, that's the thing. But look at look at Ross's stats. I mean, forty three. So forty three disposals, twenty two kicks, twenty one handballs, seven marks, four tackles. He was unbelievable. He's like McRae for yeah. the doggies at the start of the year. Like just well, starting to rack up a lot of possession and clean too. You think he went at like seventy or eighty percent efficiency as well. So he's trying to do what he can for this team. Unfortunately. There's uh, not a lot around supporting him. Yeah, and, and, and he would be absolute. He'd be Brownlow contention if he was at even any of the teams that are top ten at the moment. You would think so, and I mean the big sort of you know incredible scenario as well was that St Kilda completely fell away in the second half, exactly like last week against the Dogs. So last week, if you have forgotten, in round twenty, it was sixty-eight to one hundred three. Doggies sort of taking care of the Saints there. So, yeah, look, really disappointing. And, I mean, even after the game. So, it was a question asked about Lewis Pierce. So, Lewis Pierce uh, played in the ruck for St Kilda. So, he's been, you know, running with Longer and a bunch of these guys for a while. But, I mean, Pierce. I thought was actually pretty good. I mean, he, he went up against Bill Chambers and I actually thought he did a pretty decent job for me. So yep. Pierce, 88% disposal efficiency. His stats aren't, you know, on the page. They're not, you know, exploding, but I thought he was still fantastic. So, you know, a bit of a blight on the Saints was Alan Richardson actually admitted after the game that he hadn't seen Lewis. Here's what he said, that he hasn't seen Lewis Pierce play once this season in the VFL. Yeah, so. To, to give you an idea of this, so Pierce, so Frankston's their um, BFL side. So round two, round twelve, and round fourteen, Frankston played on other days outside of St Kilda. So there've been three opportunities that he could have seen, or someone. I, I don't know whether he misspoke, but it seems incredible that he's that's... he's really been this player that's been dominating in the twos, and it again hasn't been getting a go. And for me. Mackay, similar sort of scenario is that he's been he was doing so well in the twos and it just wasn't getting a go in the first in such a low team. It's that, damning. That oh, that is damning. If I was the president, so whatever is in charge of St Kilda, whoever the coach's boss's boss is, I'd be sitting there going, mate, that's your job. That's the you, guy that got sacked from the AFL. You should, on your days off, be looking at all the guys that well, could potentially. I mean, it's damning. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, I was, I was. In shock when I heard he never seen him play. I'm like, he's yeah. on your list. You I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, don't you know. don't know if it was yeah, out of Could context have got or confused yeah, or like top of stuff. It, it, it is. But if that's yeah, yeah if that's, that's true. That's that's horrific. Yeah, absolutely. But, that's really um, more. Yeah. The, and the other damning thing is, as good as some of the mids at probably two that I'm talking about is in Ross and Steel. The problem is with St Kilda is they need a ball a t- contested ball ball all these sort of good mids are all uncontested like an winners. injured an injured old ball like Henry or yeah probably not because no. he's, he's more of an uncontested footballer as five well five year deal five year deal no yeah they probably think yeah they need to find someone who can actually get 
in and under. They that's need... why they want Dylan Shield. Yeah, Dylan Shield would be that's much That's why they better. desperately yeah. want him. Gaff, I mean, as good as Gaff is, they don't need another outside runner. They've no. got enough of them. They need someone who can just win that hard ball and release those guys. So then they can have an actual opportunity to kick goals so they're not relying on... And they don't need a thug either. they got Brown. So that's and Carlisle. Okay. And Carlisle, yeah. yeah so they don't need No, that. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but they do. I mean, no, it's, it's all good in theory about going after the best player possible. But if they are missing a, a key cog within a team, mm. and I'm, I'm saying this from experience, seeing Hawthorne go uncontested, uncontested, and then the game changed and they went, oh, mm. we need some contested <laughs> players. So they got Mitchell and O'Meara, right, and yeah. all of a sudden that's worked out well. It took a while, but so what? St Kilda have got plenty of time. They've got such a young list. Who cares if, as long as they're competitive next year, if they don't make finals, if they get the right players back in to help some of these guys that should be considered elite and A-graders, but when they're having to do it all themselves all the time, they don't look as good. But Ross is amazing. Yeah, so we, we better keep moving. But yeah. yeah, look, really poor from the Saints, really, again, generally speaking, and a lot of the same errors, which is about as frustrating as it gets. Massive hats off to Essendon with you know dealing with a lot of adversity during the game from an injury perspective and needing to restructure on the go. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. So contested possessions, 133 to 120. So Essendon in the leading column, pretty much across the board, uncontested two. 60 to 240. Uh, marks inside 50, 18 to 14. Yeah, I mean, clearance is 34, 27. Tackles inside 59 to 7. Inside 50, so way more chances from an Essendon perspective, 60 to 46. Mm. So way, way more chances at, at making it happen. So Essendon, I thought, were, were really, really good on the night and, and good luck to them because I think that it's going to be a fascinating scenario if they are able to make finals. Oh, yeah. And especially, you've got to wonder, you and I were talking about it earlier with Richmond, you know, guaranteed the top two now. Do they sort of snooze slightly next week? But they've shown that that's probably not going to happen. It's not their, but, but it's who not knows? Their, not their style. It's yeah. not their style. They're but so it's, it's, who knows? Straight, there's ruthless. a lot of bizarre things that happen in this game. So. No, they're, they're Tigers and the rest of the competition, the Gazelles, and they're just, the claws and the fangs are in necks. There's definitely, look... I'm, Especially with the Essen, because Essen have looked scary good very for good. 10 weeks. So. Look, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. Richmond look very good, but there's a lot still that needs to be played, I think, from here. So, we'll, we'll keep yeah. moving. So, massive game. We're going to go pretty deep into this one. So, Hawthorne versus the Cats. Incredible game. So, definitely one of the games I thought of the season. It had a lot... Of, as always, these two teams are just completely locked into unbelievable games and it, it just seems to never end it's almost as though they've um, just we're you know sort of locked into into some sort of bizarre a bizarro type world where every, oh, it's it's just constantly it is close. the modern rivalry yeah probably it is uh, I mean anyone who it's got to be up there if it's not yeah it's pretty amazing for 10 years now it's been a it while it has been just phenomenal games of football there's only been I think three I games think three of memory blowouts, that yeah. have been for th- over three goals. And there's been wins. pretty much no blowouts. Yeah, there's been a couple. Yeah, and but they've not all been much. finals, so everyone's like... They play each other a lot too because there's always a couple of times in the year and then also often they play each other in the finals. So 71 yeah. to 60, 10, 11 to 8, 12. Fascinating game. So much to dissect out of this game. And the you know certainly the next game is awful. We'll spend about two minutes on the Gold Coast versus Richmond yeah. because Jack Rewald beat the Gold Coast and that's it. But in this one, we will go a little bit deep. So 11 points, the Hawkers. We tipped the Hawks, so we definitely got the, the right side of the ledger. We, we sort of felt that the team was structurally coming into its own and, and we really felt the coaching group was in really, really good form. Yeah. And 
Yeah, so I think I think we we, we sort of saw um, that. I think you and I both have two elements. I mean, firstly, we, we got a, a little bit of a read on Hawthorne, but the, the other thing as well was from a Geelong perspective, they're so so top heavy, and they've got yeah. just some elite 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 players at the very top, and then they've got a hell of a lot of passengers. And you know, you can start calling them Parsons rather than passengers because they've, they've got a bunch of these kids that are just not ready. So not yet. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the thing. I think I think Geelong's kids aren't terrible. That's the thing. But I, I think that bottom tier, you look at some of their bottom tier versus Burton, Warple, Morrison, Hardwick, Miles versus the bottom tier of the Cats, and it looks better. And consistently, we've seen games this year won by teams that have a quality bottom ledger. And yep. this is this is a more proof of that. Just knowing the the decisions they make when they're under pressure, or knowing yep. how to hold the ball in without giving away a free kick. Don't get me wrong, there's still some deficiencies with a couple of Hawthorne younger players in their ability to hit targets when they shouldn't be. Yeah. Or when they well they should hit targets and they're not. And up against a team like your Richmond's and your West Coast, you'll they'll get shown up. But other than that, yeah, overall, Clarko has been getting probably the best that he can squeeze out of some of these players at the moment. Like I'm in shock that they're in the top four. Neither of us had them no. playing finals. We had them just, just out. Just out. I, think I, might have had just in. I think I might have had them in eighth, actually, but yeah. only just in. So I had them pretty much falling away. Once so all of a sudden, in. this team is playing... Well, they figured it out. They figured, figured out where all out. the pieces go. And... I, I thought this would take another 12 months to work Same. out where it would all go. Especially if you had taken into consideration key players that are out at the moment. So, obviously, the biggest one, Cyril not playing ever again. Yeah. Sicily all, was in all Australian form before his injury. Birchall's still not back. Birchall hasn't played for almost two years. Yeah. Big boy, McAvoy. Yeah. Key, Ruckman. Massive out. Out. And they've, they've done they, really well. They've done really well. So, yeah, look. Very interesting game. Both teams had opportunities to end it, end it, um, or be further in front at um, various points of the the game. But yeah, it's that young brigade, that second and third tier of Hawthorne that was the difference, I reckon. Because yeah. when we talk about Geelong, Ablett, Selwood, Dangerfield all had absolute blinders. Yeah, which again, and they almost dragged it's, them it's, over the over so the line. It was Ablett's best game in the second part life at Geelong. Yeah, without a doubt, I don't. I haven't seen him play a better games since he came. And I reckon it's top three Dangerfield game of the year. It has to be up there. So look, we'll do a bit of an overview of the game. We'll talk about the winners and then the losers. Mm. So I mean, that's generally how we structure it. So bit of an overview. So Ruffhead missed at the start, and then old mate Mark Pitney. Yeah. So unlike most other teams, Hawthorne have actually got a lot of depth in their ruck division. So this is Mark Pitney's first AFL game for the year, and it's only his like twelfth or eighteenth. He's only played a handful of games. He has put on, I reckon, about 8 or 10 kilos since last year. And that has been the big difference. So he actually got the second most hitouts behind his teammate. So for a first game, he got 26 hitouts, had an influence of the game, had an opportunity to um, go forward. Don't think he kicked any goals. I'm not looking at the stats at the no, moment. I don't think so. But, um, yeah, so... You had a nice... Hawthorne had a nice spread, though. A nice spread. And, yeah, just have, I mean, a third-tier Ruckman come in and have... Of an influence in his first game of the season is just Fantastic, an, yeah. just an extra extra um, string in uh, Clarko's bow and and 
really good for this guy's confidence because he has been dominating in VFL. I mean, when I say dominate, I'm yeah. talking he Smashed one season it. averaged 48 hitouts. He was a game. getting like 50, yeah, pretty much each time, 50 right? a game. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was really really good. So I just couldn't get in in front of these other two freaks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So as I said, the final score is 10-11 to 8-12. But overall, so a bit of an overview. So first quarter, strange quarter. So mm. 0-4 to 2-4. So I actually thought Hawthorne were probably the better side in the first quarter, but just weren't getting the opportunities. And just, I thought structurally going inside 50, not as organized as, as they need to be. Yep. I think both teams are kind of, it's, this is always these two. They feel each other out a bit early and see where each other's at and sort of poke for weaknesses and see where, see where you know, they might like to play throughout the day. And oh, it's like, it's like a prom it's like, Every time they play, it's Fight. like a prom dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. So 0-4 to 2-4, and then the second quarter, so massive effort from Hawthorne in the second, 5-8 to 2-6, so the Cats only mounting two points. So this game looked like it could be one of those very rare blowouts at one point, so 2-6 to 5-8, and then as we know, this year Hawthorne's third quarter has been pretty good, so 9-10 to 5-8. So John kind of keeping in touch in that third quarter, and then Cats coming late. So eight twelve to ten eleven, they bloody wait a while. Would, yeah, it got it got to about. So I watched this. So I didn't get to see this match live. You saw a, a fair bit of it live. I had to watch it. I've watched it over two different days because I've just been so flat out. But I I got to ten minutes left in that fourth quarter. I'm like, when, when is this? When, when is this run coming? How does the score get to where it gets to? Because they were still they were way behind. I was like, what is going on? Who yeah. kicks? Who kicks these goals? Because I hadn't seen. I saw the very end, obviously. Like I saw the highlights and, yep. and what happened in the last two minutes of play. But I was like, how do we get to that point? But it, yeah, they, they waited a while. To if the, get yeah, there, if there's anything super consistent in Hawthorne to long game yeah. of the last decade, is it doesn't matter what the score is at three quarter time, whoever's in front is not guaranteed. Not comfortable. And, yeah, the team that's behind is going to make a freaking run for it. So, and yeah. Geelong have been an incredible fourth quarter side this yeah, year. Yeah, and, and obviously, we don't like to delve into umpiring too much but there was some unbelievable poor choices poor um, umpire decisions I mean behinds that were called but not called by the central umpire so was that was it Burton that took the ball yeah Burton yeah and you'll see and like I'm sure listeners will have seen the footage uh, numerous times. If not, you'll see it numerous times throughout the week. I and think this will be shows, the, so. the biggest talking point throughout the week is not the footballer will be this behind that was caught behind by the goal umpire. The well, boundary umpire didn't blow his whistle. He saw it. Roden thought it was a point. Yeah, so he the, the, the goal umpire called a point. Yeah. But because he doesn't have a whistle, if the central umpire doesn't see it, he's keeping an eye on what's going up the field. Give David Roden a whistle. But the boundary umpire should have... No, no, I agree. Looking, he had a better view too. Too. Yeah, much better view. I thought, so. I, I thought Stevie Wonder's on the line there. What is <laughs> yeah. going on here? So I can see that from... He what? will get a slap on the wrist and he'll be running around next week. And then there was the deliberate rush behind and then the Tom Mitchell 50, play on 50, 50, 50 that, yeah. which could have changed. Well, they, there was a they lot paid, of... They paid it earlier in the game. Yeah, so a lot Against Blixarves. Yeah, so it, so, yeah. And, and Blixarves was yeah. in the middle of the screen. He's like, mate, you blew it against me tw- uh, an hour ago. What's mm. different? Mm. And anyway... it. I mean, when you put all those together, it could have changed the game. But ultimately, it was the game I think most people expected. Tight, um, up and down. Uh, Geelong had their opportunities and played some good football. Probably didn't put enough scoreboard pressure on. Hawthorne took their opportunities. And obviously, with their open spread forward line now, that it's starting to gel really, really well. Uh, They... Yeah, just got there at the end and 
uh, O'Meara being uh, the icing on the cake with a minute and a bit to go, or just under a minute to go, to give us a two-goal buffer. That's it. And that was the end of it. So, but brilliant game of football, and we'll be talking about this game uh, for a few weeks to come, I reckon. Yeah, so definitely one of the better games of the year. I mean, look, generally speaking, vintage Ablett throughout oh, most of the game, which we will get into. Yeah, other umpiring was was poor through pieces of the day. I mean, you and I have had this comment for ages where. It, it always gets late in the season, and they let it play, but to the detriment of the game. Of the game, yeah, too And much, that's something yeah. that you and I have spoken about repeatedly, but you know, no, no one seems to... Well, our listeners absolutely agree with us, but I, I don't, don't think the AFL seems to understand that. It's a bigger blight than congestion, without a doubt. So anyway, we'll keep moving, but look, Parsons... O'Connor I actually thought was okay for Geelong. I actually thought he was... So I saw a lot of Geelong um, listeners to the podcast saying that, you know, these ins were horrific. So we had a few people, you know, tweet us and, and, and email us throughout the week saying, why would they go with these? And look, Parsons, I mean, yeah, Parsons, I don't know. I mean, he, he really crumbled under pressure. I mean, he, yeah, that kick to Isaac Smith was just shocking. Like, it was such a clutch moment. He just had to make a play and then, you know, he, kicking it straight to the opposition was, especially Isaac Smith, you're going to kick it to anyone. Mm. So that, that wasn't ideal. But I thought O'Connor was okay. But to me, yeah, I can understand where some of these listeners are coming from. I think it was pretty weird selections. Um, I mean, look, it definitely didn't help them in the structure of the game. So another sort of, you know, nit bit to sort of get through before we get into the, the meat of the game. The other thing was that Stanley. So Stanley out meant that Blixard, so um, issues with Stanley, which we'll get into in the preview. We can't, can't do it now because we've got to run through a lot of stuff in this game. Yeah. But Stanley gone, so just, just factor that in. And then Blixards had to ruck. So yeah. ultimately, pulling him out of what he's been nearly all Australian back, pulling him out, he's been outstanding. Pulling oh. him out, I mean, every team Massive would love having him in the back line. Pulling yeah. him out, especially with their back line fairly depleted, no Harry Taylor, all sorts of issues going down there. One of the few players that can match up with yeah. Gunston. They're still trying to figure out where their back line is and what it is, and especially, you know, post the whole, you know, the Enright era. And I think the thing for me is that Blixard, that that's a massive problem, is that the Blixard's out of the of that line and then pulling him into the ruck is, is not ideal. As much as he's an elite runner, he, he can't run back all day and, no. and provide backline support. You, you do see a lot of rucks doing that. In Gorn's fantastic at it. He didn't seem to do much of that today, which is interesting. We'll talk about that. Mm. But you do... Nan Curvis is quite good at Richmond at doing that as well at times. Sinclair at Sydney. Sinclair's quite yeah. good as well. There's, you know, there, there, there's definitely they, examples of it. But they're conditioned to be the ruckman. But they play small like, percentages yeah. of the game. They, he's another midfielder half the time as well. Yeah, exactly so he right. can't do 10 things at once. So not having a go at him. But it, it, that, that definitely impacted the whole game. And as you said, your man at Hawthorne had a pretty good day from a, a ruck perspective. But look, the, the heat was on really, really early. You know, weird game. I mean, the Hawks were goalless, but they actually, to me, looked like the better side. I mean, I, you know, say what you will, but to me, I thought they looked definitely as good as Geelong. Yeah. You can argue better or worse, but they looked as good. And even it took till the 17-minute mark before, or 14-minute mark before the first goal was even kicked. Yeah. That's in almost every game that I've seen between these two over the last decade or so, the first goal comes within 30 or 40 seconds to one of the teams. Like, like it, it, And then it's just game on from there. But it was really interesting to see that um, there was a bit more of a defensive, more pressure from the opening bounce and, and nobody wanted to give it inch, whereas a lot of the games can be just like free-flowing. So. Yeah, so early on, Scott Selwood tag on Mitchell, which looked like a really good decision and something that we definitely thought would happen. And 
then Scott Selwood gone. So I, I don't know what happened to that tag. It was working really well early and then it just seemed to completely fall away. So I don't know what was going on and that just sort of disappeared. But I, I thought that was the right I move. Was... And I don't know why that didn't stick throughout the game. I think they needed to continue to mount a hard tag on Mitchell. So now, keep I, going, sorry. No, no, sorry. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I mean, I think I get it because they needed Scott Selwood to do other things. But at the same time, look, they were stretched along. And it's only because they've just got a pack of jokers at the, at the top end that they were able to get it done. And you look at Dangerfield. I mean, this is something I want to discuss in this game. You know, you look in the last week, you know, I, I, how I was saying that the Dangerfield, the pull for Dangerfield forward is getting predictable but and they, they were really cautious to play that against Hawthorne especially yeah. I think when the Cats realised that they'd done their homework from last week and they you know the Hawks sorry done their homework and they were really covering off a lot of the issues that that yeah, the, the catters have. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's it's fascinating from a structural perspective because the, you know Scott Selwood, it was working. I mean, I don't know, I don't know why that completely dropped off. It felt like that needed to happen the whole day, but I don't know. I think they, they probably had alarms, you know, you know, ringing in in other areas and thought, well, we've got to get Scott to assist here and assist there. Yeah, what were you going to say? Scott? Oh no, I, and I agree with that, but I'm just wondering. And it, I mean, people talk about it in very small, but the meters game by uh, Tom Mitchell. He is an underrated elite runner. So yeah. I'm just wondering whether Scott Selwood was starting to get gassed and, and he goes, there's no point. If he, he looked if, okay, though. Yeah, they can look all right go on when they're all professional athletes, but yeah. I'm just thinking whether they... Hard to know, they yeah. yeah, it's hard to know. Obviously, Mitchell got a ton of the ball, but he def- definitely didn't have the influence that he normally has. I mean, he had 40 touches, but he went at 50% efficiency. Mm. Didn't kick... I think he might have kicked one goal. He definitely wasn't in the top five best Hawthorne players. It was a very even spread by Hawthorne. And no, no, he yeah. just And that's the thing. A guy like him gets a tag for half a game and still racks up 40. You, you wonder, is it worth that? I mean, then Izzy Smith has a blind... Probably his best game against Shillong in a few years. So let's, let's as get As captain of the club and yeah. you know, gets out and kicks a couple of goals and gets the momentum in Hawthorne's favour. So... Yeah. Yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't at the moment. And that's obviously testament to what we're saying earlier. And Clarko Clarko being able to coach his team in in a way that, okay, well, yeah, if you tag one of my mids, guess what? I've got... A and B, I've got B and C over here. That, yeah. Yeah. Coaching masterclass on the day. I mean, a bit of nerves early as well. So to be fair, I, I was saying it's a bit of a weird start, but nerves as well. I mean, that you know, I didn't think either team was centering it really well at all in terms of you know the the leading patterns coming inside fifty, and even when they did get. You know, Hawkins and Isaac Smith both uncharacteristically missed yeah. early on. So, But then, then it sort of, you know, got a bit of a, a feel for it. And Segler had that horrific miss really oh. early, which, you know, a, a child could have kicked, which that was unbelievable. But anyway, it kept going. But then Hawthorne, just as it played into the second, you know, Hawthorne got much better at locking it in their inside 50. And the Cats would just consistently go for the corridor. And, and Hawthorne just knew they were they were there waiting. Yeah. So that, that was a mistake. I think the Cats needed to use the boundary a lot better throughout the day. And, you know, Hawks were just playing the boundary a lot better. And, you know, Mitchell, you know, he wasn't getting a heap of the ball early, so obviously being being tanked, mm. but he was still providing a lot off the ball. I, I thought he was freeing up his opponent, and I, I really liked, even though he, he knew he was getting really harshly tanked, but at least he would tr- at least apply a block or yeah, quickly actually, run off to assist that's what I noticed to freeing well. a mirror up. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's obviously really, like, smart. D- smart, yeah, he's become very smart 
with that tag, like he he struggled last year, and I guess that first the, the final year at Sydney as well with a hard tag, and he's worked out that he can do stuff off the ball like those blocks and yeah. and just and dragging. He's an elite blocker, and dra- and also dragging his uh, opposition play if he's getting that tag away from the contest, so yeah. that they're not even getting involved, and then opening that up that space up. But yeah, he 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 did other things in the game that actually helped. Uh, the rest of Hawthorne. I thought Frawley was really good as well. I thought the whole back line was fantastic again. I mean, Hawthorne are, are just so good at rebounding back into their offensive 50. And, you know, th- these guys were, were peeling up and, and really assisting and making that happen consistently. You know, the, the Hawks spread as well from boundary to boundary so well. So that they, they play the fake left and go right really, really well. That They're getting better and better at that. So in terms of a chain heading from, you know, back 50 to forward 50, they might do one link one direction. And then they'll look to set up the other way, and then they'll quickly play play yeah. the complete opposite end, and then and peel from side to side. And they are getting better and better at doing that. And I thought their running patterns, aside from their pace being very good, their running patterns are very good. good. Yeah. And and when they're both on, that's when you really absolutely. In and and it's funny. You don't think about it. You just look at Frawley and go, okay, he was an All-Australian backman and you see him having down game and you go, well, why is he even playing? And then you think about it and go, actually, he's had to play a completely different role now because he's lost so much of that back line that he started at Hawthorne with. They don't, they're either injured or they're not there anymore. So his last three weeks have been back to that. Re- like You can see why Clarkson got him in the first place and he's been phenomenal. He's not playing appealing off. He's actually playing this lockdown old school defender role and yeah. that's, and that's what he's naturally really good at and obviously uh, Hawkins only kicked the one goal for the game so you would say the, the marks go to Frawley and I think he went at about 92% he disposal was, he was efficiency good. so he's better game really good in a while he yeah. looks back the other thing too so two things in the second quarter before we move into the third I mean the other thing because we want to do a fair deep dive into this one but the other thing is I mean the Cats just really wanted over the back and, and the Hawks just read it. That's the thing. I mean, consistently recently, the, the Cats have structured where they'll, they'll fake uh, a Hawkins lead and, and they want it over the back. back. But yeah. the, the Hawks completely read it, you know, straight out of the gate. And the other big problem too was Geelong's pressure was just down through the first, but then definitely in the second and even pieces of the third. The Cats' pressure was just so low compared to what it can be and then it was elite in the fourth and then, not, you know, not bad in the first. But... I mean, I, I, clearly the, the cat's ruck issue is is a is a massive problem, um, and it's something that you know we, well, I'm sure in the season review wherever the cats end up, I'd imagine we're going to be talking about that a fair bit. That's got to be even it's right, be a right top, now. Top line issue. It is their number one priority. It's their it's their St Kilda goal kicking. It's the same. It's it's, it's in that echelon because it is yeah, so bit, problematic. Bit, bit easier to fix for Geelong. They've just got to get a decent ruck. Just look at who's playing well at VFL and get a decent ruck. Or they, or they attempt to do a Kelly for Lysette trade. Or they try yeah. to make that happen. And I, I would not be surprised if Wells was sitting there. I mean, obviously, they don't, don't really want to do a trade or an offer with Hawthorne. But Hawthorne have got rock, rock stocks. Yeah, I mean, the big problem is, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. But I think that Lysette Kelly one's... Getting, gaining momentum smart. week in week out when if Geelong have these types of games, especially if the Eagles lose Gaff, which is another scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll keep yeah, keep walking. Yeah, yeah. So another. I think look, the Cats' defense has been really brave this year, but the, you know they were just so down. I, I you know, from a defensive perspective, I, you know, you look at Hawthorne's hard work. Like he is, his stats line it looks standard, but you know he he is some, he's a player that you have to see him like you you watch him play. He does so much off the ball 
that is just so elite. They've got a role and they play their role. A bit like every week. Not, week and I'm, not, I'm not comparing yeah. the back line to Richmond's, but in the sense that you've got a role. You have a look at it, two Hawthorns back. The only two players that didn't, uh, again, have a tackle were backmen for Hawthorne. Yeah. But that's because they're there for their outside uh, release runners in Caden Brand, Ryan Burton. Yeah. But Hardwick, he, he had the like more than half of his possessions were contested. Stratton's the same. And they get the hard ball and they do the hard yards. And that's their role. That's what they do. And they, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's realized at the start of the year that his position in the team and on the list was on the line. And I reckon he's playing the season that he's needed to to get a contract extension. We talk about the Caps, uh, Caps, Cats depth in uh, Dangerfield. And, you know, they've obviously got so many of these top line players. The thing, I think the best way to play Geelong, and this is why Richmond have been able to beat them twice this year, is high pressure. I mean, when you're pressuring a team so hardcore, they're not going to turn around and say, all right, danger forward. Like, they have to have him there. They've yeah. got to have him there. They can't just go, oh, okay, let's just completely... Then I'll just get murdered, murdered. in the centre. Yeah. So it, that was a, a really... They, they clearly... Hawthorne clearly identified that prior to the game and said, we have to apply significant pressure so they don't even think about it. So they don't even think, well, maybe we risk this. No. They, 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 they don't want to happen what happened last year with him kicking... You know, five, five six goals, goals on a broken leg sort of or whatever stuff. he had. Yeah, no leg. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's there were moments where it, it sort of looked like, why don't the cats roll that dice? But uh, they were pressured into not doing it, which was a massive credit to Hawthorne. So yeah, I mean, I, it's we can really go on and on about this game, but ultimately, you know, Geelong they they just have to get a better second and third tier. They they have to bolster that up and. They will get Radigalia back, and they will get some of these other yeah, quality you forget, back. He's he's a massive. Out. He was so good early this yeah. season, and obviously Guthrie got had his injury, and Guthrie tried. He did. I don't know whether he's missing a bit of pace or a little bit of poise. I just saw him get a lot of the footy, but didn't really have an impact on the game. And I guess when he's not playing that well, and yeah, you're not you haven't got your Radigalias, and Kelly had a down game as well, which is a bit unusual. He was okay. He wasn't great though. No, it was not sure, like yeah. some of his games that he's had this year. He was elite last week. Yeah, so and, and so it's tough when it's left to three or four of their elite players. Obviously, Mitch Duncan and Menegola uh, have stepped up for most of the year, but they probably could have been a little bit, maybe 5 or 10% better for Geelong to get up on the weekend. And, and that'll come in time. And yeah, obviously it comes back to that fact that their biggest issue is they don't have a ruck that can... It's a massive problem, yeah. I mean... Cats as well just fumble at crucial times in the second and the third. You know, really, really uncharacteristic stuff. But look, they. So we'll get to the back end of the game and tell you what, did they come? The, the big difference, they took the game on and the pressure went up. Yeah. So they took the game on, they used the corridor faster and more efficiently. They hit targets, they ran better. Everything, it, literally every major category in modern footy went up tenfold. It's like if they they have time to think about the next step. Yeah. It's it's the worst thing that that's, John can that's do. That's how that happened, is that everything was dialed up and Hawthorne's intercepts started to drop down. So they were yep. getting a lot of intercepts in the second and the third, but they were moving it so much faster that that disappeared and then the pressure went up and they started matching them and then all of a sudden it, it just got really, really tight and yeah, I mean Danger actually in the end did go forward late, but yeah, too it was late. probably a little bit too late and you know... 
look, Geelong this year consistently, I think, in the games when they've just missed out on a win, is they just haven't taken the game on for long enough. And I think they need to do that more. They've got to work on that structurally, how they can do that more efficiently. And yeah, look, I think some of their kids were okay under under pressure. I think that's that's a big thing for me as well. You know, Parsons, you know, kicked the ball straight to Uzi and they just had some serious key errors throughout this game. And I don't want to be too hard on him. But, you know, you look at O'Connor, who was okay. But, yeah, look, the, the bottom tier wasn't like your Warples and people like this that were, you know, so much more efficient yeah. in, in the bottom tier. But, yeah, look, it got very close. The Cats really came, and they looked like they were going to sneak it, but they left their run, you know, way too late. You know, Duncan at one point had two contested possessions at one point in the third. So, really down. But he had a really good fourth quarter, and Selwood really lifted. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, Duncan, Selwood, Dainsford, Abla, those four literally almost dragged. Jolling over the line for a win, but it wasn't to be. So one last thing before we get into it as well. So for the you know the people that say Ablett's pass it, so he he kicked three goals, thirty two disposals, uh, twenty two kicks, ten handballs, six hundred and fifteen meters gained, eight tackles, fifteen contested possessions. So in terms of where he ranked on the day, he was first, second, or third in every category. category. Yeah. So don't sit there and say this is the problem against their the, problem, and that's is against their the top tier against is, the top fourteen against a really good side. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big problem is that, and you know, he really gets up for these sort of games. Yeah, absolutely. And I think absolutely. ultimately is that they, you know, you, you look at some of the, the really top sides and their kids are coming in and really providing. And yeah, it really hurts the Cats, that gulf of talent. So they've got one side that's, that's fantastic. And then, you know, it really sort of drops away after that. They've got a couple of, you know, I thought Guthrie's game was okay. It definitely wasn't great. A lot of those mid-tiers in your Duncans and people like yeah. that. that are, they, they were mid-tiers knocking on the top tier and then now... This is a really a game when a few of them are quite down, which doesn't help. So. No, that's it. If they're off by 5 or 10%, that's oh, the yeah, difference between dead. Geelong yeah. being a really good team or um, not being as efficient because, yeah, there's too much top-end talent. There's too much linking in modern footy. Like, you can't, you just you just can't get away with it. So, we'll look at some of the stats and then we better keep moving. So, Mark's inside 50, 6 to 11. So, Geelong getting way more chances, but just not doing enough with it. And then 227 uncontested to 197. Contested 149 to 157. So, Cats leading a few of the columns, but then tackles inside 50, way better pressure from Hawthorne, 18 to 11. Inside 50s, 53 to 48. Hawthorne in the league getting slightly more chances. So, fascinating game. I thought absolute classic, really, again, really, really quality game. And, yeah, look, massive credit to, to the Hawks doing their homework, really covering their opponents. And, you know, I thought and I, we could really keep on going, but very, very briefly before we get to the next game is that Hawthorne as well consistently covering their opponents' goal side and doing the, their homework to know wh- what what is goal side for, the... for both opponents and, and yeah. really knowing where they're going to go. So that, that was excellent, I thought, throughout the day. Yeah, Just absolutely. Really did their research. So... Next one, we will get into the Suns versus the Tigers. The so, Jack Rewalt show. The Jack Rewalt Cup. So Jack Rewalt beat the Gold Coast Suns 10-6. Convincingly. 10-6 to 7-9. 66-51. <laughs> That's it. Jack Rewalt beat a team. See you later. So fourth Richmond player to outscore an opposition this year. So Castagna. <laughs> Martin, <laughs> the Jacob, fourth this Jacob year. Townsend. And Jeez. then, and then uh, old mate Jackie. So not... And not only, not only did he kick 10 goals, he had 14 marks. 
14. 14 marks. He was heading for a, a bit of a, a Fred Fanning sort of afternoon. Locked into the top two. Uh, Richmond now. And yeah, wowee, Richmond. Yeah, so the, the Coleman race all of a sudden becomes quite interesting. And we have had a few uh, listeners say, are you guys going to cover it a bit more? And it, you know, it's so hard, obviously, covering all the games and everything in there. But so the, the, you know, the goal scorers at the moment, Jack Rewalt on 58, Ben Brown 58, and Lance Franklin on 52. So it is getting very tight at the end with only two games to go. You would say it's a three-horse race now. I would have thought because then after Franklin, Tom Hawkins is on 50. I know that's only two off Franklin, but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's had some pretty big hauls this year, but I, well, actually, no, he's got some pretty actually, easy no, Sorry, yeah, yeah, no, he could I just you, I was 14 your, or 20. <laughs> I was on your train of thought and then I remembered they've no, got they've Frio got, and Gold Coast they've the got, next two weeks. They've so. got witches hats. Okay, so it's four race. Four, it's yeah. a four-horse race. Anyone who thought uh, Bruce was in with a chance, I'm like, nah. Well, not now. Well, I mean, he's on fifty, but probably unlikely. But Hawthorne aren't playing that type of football anymore. He competed all day, and that's yeah. He's got to seriously keep going to that game. But we're going to obviously scoot through this game very quickly because there's almost nothing to talk about. Richmond obviously are very, very good, and the Gold Coast are obviously very, very really shit. There's really not much to discuss. So really, obviously, very balanced um, amount of goal scorers as well, which is pretty damning given that Rewalt kicked such a massive score. Caddy four two. Ellis two goals, Edwards a goal, Martin a goal, Vlaston. You know, even some of the backs are getting goals. So eleven players yeah. at Richmond got twenty or more touches. Pretty embarrassing. Eleven. Eleven is pretty wild. So really, really um, even performance. And as we said, this would be. There were a few people saying this would be 120, 130 points. You and I were like, no, no. This is deep into the season now. Richmond are, are not only playing finals; they're going to go deep this year. They'll get 10, 11, 12 goals ahead, and then hold it. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, so, probably, there's only two. Dis- disappointing things about um, Richmond's display on the weekend is uh, Caddy and Castagna didn't uh, take any tackles didn't have any tackles not enough forward pressure there no, no. <laughs> they, they did alright they kicked, couple, kicked four goals between them so yeah no, they're, they're going to write the ticks aren't they yeah so again again, we've, we've been saying this for weeks and Richmond again getting 64 inside 50s which they consistently do they get 60 70 inside 50s every week which that the reality is even if you're inaccurate it does it almost doesn't matter because you get so many chances yeah. it means that you're pretty much going to get it so 44 to 64 20 more inside 50s is a domination yeah and, I've, and I've, I reckon most people have lost track of the amount of games where the Gold Coast have not had one player kick multiple goals Yeah. so they, they've got a spread of single goal kickers and you're just not going to, you're going to win games of football when you've got a spread but there's got to be two or three players that kick multiple goals so seven goals in a game of football yeah not so good. Richmond ahead at every break, obviously one one to four four, three five to eight five, three eight to fifteen, nine, seven nine to nineteen eleven. So yeah, nine eleven for the Gold Coast Suns in the end, no good. Nineteen eleven, even more even worse than nine eleven. I was gonna no, say no, it was a nine eleven. No, nine nearly nineteen eleven. Nineteen eleven. So not not ideal, but yeah, look I think really, really horrible stuff from the Gold Coast Suns there. A rabble, to say the least, and, and that's it. Yep, things need to Can really change mad? and need to start at the top. Stuart Jew, if you're listening, mate, you need to be a pillar of health. <laughs> I don't reckon he's listening to the door. <laughs> no, he's probably he's not. He's, he's probably at the gate. 
if there if there is an equivalent up there, there must be a bridge somewhere up there. Not a bridge, no, it's called the casino. That's true. <laughs> no, we'll move on because it's not worth talking there about. There is anymore. nothing worth dissecting out of no. this game. Richmond avoided injuries, which is great, and the Suns are awful. So, and they're in a bit of risk now of winning the spoon. Their percentage is really low. It's getting close to Carton, and Carton if win if can't win the next two games, which they won't. They won't. But you know, no, they they want they want the Lacocious Cup. They do. So I think they're after Sam Rowe, actually, which is a small amount of news. I think, yeah. I think somehow somehow Adelaide have figured out how to get Lacocious, which is an interesting, interesting scenario. Cool. But we'll keep moving into yes. the Port, next Port game West was pretty, game. Pretty interesting, this game. Yeah, so Choketown, yeah, this is a horrific sort of stuff here, depending on how you look at it. So 58 to 62, yeah. Port lost. So they led 100% of the game, and you know they what? lost. Yeah, and I can't believe I haven't seen anything on social. Shui and then Miguel. Choco, they'll cho- I thought some of the, the punters out there would I'm have sure brought that regular like your chokers. Big footy sort of material, that yeah, sounds. But, oh, Port look, Adelaide have been uh, at the same Port. school of Melbourne, I think. Well, look, we, we've been sort of a bit, you know, iffy on Port because, you know, they had some really quality wins earlier in the year. You know, they... Yeah, their best they is beat unbelievable. They beat Sydney away. You know, they've had some pretty good wins and they've had some, you know, quality games. But this, this was really poor. I mean... It was a minute 30 to go, and they were... You thought, there's no way they're going to lose it. Yeah, yeah, just the... Dis- this decision is highway by robbery Mot- stuff. The decision by Mot- the Motlop and... Oh, I've forgotten the other player. When you've got time on your hand... The Motlop is poor. You don't play on. You go back over your mark. Yeah, it was a terrible... You drain... Until the, you hold the ball until the umpire goes. Play on. And when the crowd's rallying, guess what? You've got an extra bit of time because your opponent's not going to hear play on. No. And all of a sudden, you're down to a minute and ten, and you've got two goals in front. Mm. Just little things. And this is... If it's a young player... We're talking about Stephen Motlop here. He's been around for years. Played at a brilliant club at uh, Geelong. And should... Not Richard. No, not Richard. They would have traded him as well. Yeah, would have traded him as well. Um, (laughs) Yeah, just uh, a mistake... Unforgivable mistakes for a senior player. Unmistakable mistake. Yeah, I can't believe I'm talking about Stevie Motlop <laughs> doing stuff like this. I mean, if it was in no, the forward, frustrating stuff. Yeah. yeah, frustrating stuff. This is the game that you fear as a Port Adelaide player or supporter that they're going to continue to throw up and vomit. Yeah, and, and the vomit supporters and... probably threw up. So after the siren again. So if you've forgotten the final last year, should we? After the siren to beat the power, and then again they've manufactured another way to loss. So it's a uh, look. To be fair on Port, though, before we go too hard, so they lost Dixon. So it looks like he's out for the season, which is a a real story, which we'll get into in the preview. We can't do that now. We've got too many games to get through. But yeah. Ryder, Paddy Ryder, Ryder's a massive out, and then Houston as well. So. Three quality players. I mean, I know a lot of people don't really know or rate Houston, but he, we, we really do. And I think he's, he's a really important cog to their side. And th- that wasn't ideal either. But yeah. Dixon for the season. BBT would have loved hearing that. Yeah, Just for his commentary. Funny. Yeah. We have a problem. Real funny. Yeah. Very, very but funny. But Paddy Wright at the moment, it's becoming a, another scenario. But his body's but falling apart. A Freo like, uh, a port like Freo. Um, in the fact that no Sandy, no Freo, no Ryder, no, no Ryder. Port, because well, how many games they lost without him? Exactly. So not not ideal, and they're going to have to learn to start winning games without him if they want to be talked about in the same echelon that Richmond, West Coast, uh, Adelaide, to a lesser degree. Obviously, they're having a down season this year, but they'll be back again. And these uh, teams, they've got on paper the names, but. 
they're not showing it when one or two players go down. So, yeah, disappointing. And I would have expected a lot. They didn't kick goal in the last quarter. Not ideal. And so they've lost this game by Port by four points. And then last week, you know, only by a, a tiny margin in three points as well. So, yeah, pretty bad to lose two games by a combined tiny point. And, yeah, not not ideal. So we'll start with the winners. So, you know, Eagles were, were pretty good all day. There was obviously a lot of heat and talk around it as to how they would be without Gaff. I thought it's too early to really make too much of a call on it yet. I'll wait until next week in terms of what they're doing in the post-Gaff yeah. finals tilt. But I thought a few people played that role. I don't think any, it wasn't like anyone sort of very specifically did. I thought Shui was really good all day. And, you know, they had support across the ground, which was really impressive. And, geez. I thought they handled yeah. themselves unbelievably uh, in, the, in the wake of what is a pretty tumultuous week. week. Um, obviously, one of their best ball movers, one of their best um, users of the footy out. Um, and, obviously, they're still without Nick Nat and, and stuff like that. Uh, Kennedy still not playing still either. No. So and so not relying on these big scores to win a game. They just grinded this out like a legitimate premiership contender does when their backs are against the wall. So I hats off. I thought they may have crumbled in this game. If you listen to last week, we thought it would be close-ish, but close. But I just didn't think to, we thought Power had to win. Yeah, had come to on, at, at home, please, at home as well, and all that type of stuff. But not again, again, and yeah, to. In the same this, scenario. The same scenario. Like, literally, literally. almost metre by metre and time by time and all that type of stuff. Obviously, different player that, that kicked the goal. Yeah, it's, look, obviously brilliant for West Coast and Western Australian football. We're going to be talking about how good they are as a football team now and, and, and moving on from the scenario, from like, which I'm all for. Um, yeah, let, they need let, to move on. Yeah, absolutely. Let, it, it happened. It was bad, and, and everyone's um, forgiven each other. And now we can just talk about football and, and in the lead up to the finals. Port Adelaide, unfortunately, we're going to have the. Well, could be another year where both Adelaide teams don't play finals. It's been a while since neither Adelaide side have been in the finals. But wait yeah. and see. It's two more weeks, obviously, but very disappointing. And let's see if their their runners and small forwards can uh, pick up the slack without Dixon. We've seen a couple of teams now, yeah. once the big forward has been out, that it's actually helped them. Yeah. I Go. thought Yo, Yo was fantastic. Oh, I mean, Lacroix was really good as well. Great pressure. And then Lysett, I thought, had a really great day in the ruck. But obviously, with, with Ryder out for pieces of the game... But like I said, I mean, he's just, he's so good. He's going to be so in demand. And it's yep. crazy that they've got so much depth that Nat Nui can come out and they've got this guy that is as good, if not better, in the ruck. So it's, he's, he's been fantastic for a yeah, while. All, so yeah, all of a sudden, Nick Nat could play, play centre forward. Might be in the waffle next year. Yeah, who knows? So, yeah, look, there's lots to like. He's a no. quality player, but it's, he's not a strict ruck when he does other things. And it's, yeah, it's, it's hard for, yeah, it's hard. It's an ama- they're amazing they've got that sort of depth that that can happen. And that, you know, but we'll, we'll keep moving. I mean, look, quality win by West Coast, but to be fair, I mean, they didn't hold a lead for the entire day. So it is very hard not to talk more about Port. You know, Johnson, I thought was good. Gray was good. He missed a bit. 2-3. Could have probably have pushed that out a little bit more. But yeah, no they, other multiple goal scorers, which is an ideal for Port. Obviously, they, Dixon out for the whole day, really. Yeah, when your highest possession getter is a backman in Jonas, obviously the ball's going too, 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 <laughs> too much. Often, yeah, yeah, so... And yeah. Wines was a bit down again. He, he just has been a little bit off the last couple no, of weeks. And interesting. He's Ebert getting, and Pittard as well. 
a little the, a lot of the pill, but not having the influence that he had in the first half of the not year. Not even the same sort of damage. I mean, he's, no. get, he's getting a bit of it, but in terms of you know, he's and that and then you got to be yeah, you got to be concerned about that. And obviously, if they keep producing this type of outcome, I mean, the, that pressure of question around Pollock going to North or whoever else starts to become really legitimate because I don't think he's the type of player that wants to be at a club that has all the talent that doesn't perform. I think he wants to see results. The other thing, I mean, the the, the senior players at Port Adelaide just consistently don't stand up enough. So you've got Boak and you've got a few of these guys that, that do stand up but there's a heap of them that just don't and it, it's really frustrating and it feels like there's a very small select group that, that consistently step up and yeah, yeah I mean this just this poor record that Port has against West Coast at Adelaide Oval just com- continues and we didn't end up we just ran out of time in the preview last week to go through that but it, it is really poor and it just adds to it again another game especially after the siren to hold it for that long is about as poor as it can get I thought Pollock was okay I thought Rockliffe was alright I mean I, look they, there was no sort of I don't think there was any incredible standouts but yeah for, for the power I thought Pitto was alright and Gray's always really good but yeah, yeah Jonas tried but I mean look ultimately this was a really missed opportunity I know I know they had players down I get it but this was obviously an extremely winnable game with under two, well under two minutes to be leading and to throw it away is is incredible. And as we recapped at the start, you know the power now in in a really average position at the bottom of the eight. Can you believe it? They were fourth last week, and now they're sitting so much lower. So yeah, look, it is it is very precarious position incredible. for them. And if they continue to play like this, a they I mean nobody deserves to play finals football until you actually make it but this type of football is not going to get them very far if they, even if they get into the top eight it's not going to and I think ultimately they've they don't deserve to be there if they're going to keep dropping these games by such more small percentage marks it's yeah really disappointing but look the, the power train keeps rolling on uh, sorry the power train the west coast train keeps rolling on the power yep. is definitely not rolling on the power is it's a blackout and ultimately the, the west coast eagles is, train keeps yeah and they're going. doing it with with players out of the list that yeah. you would uh, that not oh, last year and the year before they no gaff no Nick Nat no Kennedy yeah you, you're gonna you're surely gonna think power well, they're gonna be this. struggling yeah absolutely imagine if they had all those keys in so yeah look it's it's ultimately you look at it and think well look the Eagles have really locked in that top two position now and then the power yeah. Really disappointing from them, and they've absolutely dropped away again. And it looks like really a repeat of last season, if not potentially a bit worse, because they finished fifth last year. So not ideal. So we, we'd better keep moving. But some of the stats out of that game, it yeah, I mean obviously it's 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 a, a funny game when it comes to stats because you know the the Eagles snatching it at the end, but marks inside fifty ten to seven, so more opportunities for the Port tackles inside fifty fourteen all, so pretty even. West Coast more inside fifties though sixty five to fifty, but. There were a few plays, though. That's one of those sort of games, though. There were a few plays where Port sort of went backwards slightly in before yeah. they launched forward. So it's always a bit of a funny stat. But yeah, it is a funny stat because the ball only has to go over the 50-meter mark. and yeah. it counts. So, but, it, uh, yeah, it was one of those games where there were running patterns from Port that because uh, I think the, the pressure from the Eagles was good. So there were sort of moments where they would sort of, you know, lean back to lean forward. But, yeah, look... Uh, Strange game, and it just—it—I'm it, still really, ultimately in shock that it happened again for 
you know, and, and McGovern to go back and slot it is is great. You know, he's 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 an elite player and they are um they must be really happy to keep him. But yeah, look, quality from Cripps as well. I think he's becoming a bit of a player, Jamie Cripps. Eighty three disposal efficiency. He's um, my heat check of the week. I thought yeah. he was really good. So not a massive stats line, twelve disposals, but eighty three um, percent and then to kick the three goals. I actually thought he was quite good and he's really come a long way and I actually think he's gonna be a really, really quality player. He's um not a player that gets spoken about too much. One thirty nine game. 26 years old, but he's, he's starting to really become an important cog of their side, especially with Kennedy. You know, you know, a lot of question marks around him and and what's going on. So yeah, ultimately for me, I, I, I look, it's hard. I mean, Darling as well, still you know massively out of form. So big credit to to Cripps to really you know hit the scoreboard and apply some pressure. Yeah, Darling's an interesting one, isn't he? Like I don't want to, I know we've got to keep moving on, but he's in the team, but you wouldn't know he's in the team because he's not doing a lot. He's barely contributing, and the question has to be raised soon. I mean, is he taking up a position but I think the big problem is that I don't know how much more they've got to sort of uh, bring back in but maybe you need to work no and, and obviously when he's playing with Kennedy they they work well with each other so they do but I mean ultimately West Coast so they got Melbourne next week and that's not exactly going to be an easy game and then they got Brisbane up in the Gabba so that and that's not going to be an easy no, game no that's either. not going to be an easy game either so resting Darling's not necessarily an option which is uh, no a fascinating scenario, but we'd better keep moving. We've got a lot to get through. So Collingwood versus the Lions, 104 to 73. Pies in the end by 31 points. Really, really quality game. So 1-3 to 3-4. So Brisbane leading at quarter time. And then 5-7 to 5-4. Pies just getting the ascendancy. And then 11-14. Pies a bit inaccurate to 8-4. So once again, Brisbane's so accurate. It's one of the things that makes them so watchable. They really stay in games because they are so accurate. And then 14-20. So Pies very inaccurate. And then 11-7. So interesting game. We we thought this was a bit of a danger game with the, the Pies, you know, obviously at home, but against a really quality outfit. And, you know, big credit to... this. This is very much one of those getting the job done type of games. They just had to win this and really, really quality effort to getting it done. And look, I, I think that, you know, they've Dugowie back in was obviously a massive, massive plus. So 4-3, you know, Mechek 3-1, sorry. Main even Olme Cash 2-1. So Stevenson looks like he's really starting to, to lock that rising star in. So he was yeah, fantastic he was all day. Yeah, really good yeah. again. Kicked a freakish goal. It just, he's just knows how to get himself into the right positions for such a young player yeah it's, it's unbelievable so yeah I think it, it's a yeah he's got to be a massive chance I mean Rayner didn't have his best game so you know there, there were these two very very quality first year players he and Rayner but yeah look I think I think old mate's got the chocolates from Collingwood yeah absolutely I mean yeah Rayner probably didn't have his big possession game but when he gets it he's he is elite he's, he's so efficient over, isn't over yeah. 90% again I, I've lost track of him many times he's been over 80% this year for a first year him and um, Steve have literally as far as consistently being playing good or elite football for yeah. first year they're the two front runners with Rainer sorry go yeah, no and then I go then the next year have had good periods but those who have consistently they've only missed games a little injury or whatever they've actually played right through whereas a lot of the other um, first year draftees have been um, sort of rested here and there from other teams so. for Rainer I mean ultimately it's positioning for me it's not it's not necessarily what he does with the ball. When he gets the ball, he's fantastic. Mm. But I think it's more structurally and running patterns and, and just learning. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that, that's, you know, there's very, almost no first-year players that can come in and, and get the speed of that. Because they, they play that, obviously, at 
lower level. But to do that at the speed that's done at AFL and the intensity sure. is, is a very different level. So, look, really, really quality game. We won't go into this one too deep because obviously it is a game where, you know, it's not featuring two teams that are, you know, within the finals. No. Finals. And Brisbane are obviously well and truly out of it and Pye's got the job done. So it's yeah. not, probably not the game we can go too heavily into. And, uh, and obviously we went deep into the round one of this um, two battle competition, like which yeah. was an amazing game but earlier still, this year. Still for me, top five. Yeah, so and sort of kind of was very similar in the way it uh, panned out, but obviously not as much on, in, on, on the line. Brisbane aren't going to be playing finals. And no. Collingwood just did what they needed to have that extra bit of polish and class, as you mentioned, uh, to get the job done and pretty much sewed up a finals spot now. So Hipwood, 3-2, you know, really impressive again. I thought Robinson was good. You know, for me, Taylor as well looks like he's becoming a bit of a player. Beans, yeah. again, has just been unbelievable since that um, incident and the sort of announcement that he that he made. But it, he looks he looks really good and he just looks like he's just been, you know, sort of relinquished from that. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens to him at the end of the James year. James Ash was really good again. Yeah, yeah. Cutler yeah. as well. You know, Zorko was a little bit down, but yeah, I mean Andrews was okay, but um, eleven marks is you know, he was obviously trying to really sort of stitch up that defence. But yeah, look, too much polish, Collingwood, too much around the ground to to, to really create a lot of damage. Yeah, so. and especially in key moments, your Dugowies, your Pendlebury's, um these types of players, side bottoms, they they just hit targets and and got the the goals that needed to happen, and that's and, the difference between these two teams. And as well, sorry, more, oh, just a bit more maturity in class, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean they've just got that next belt. I mean tackles inside fifty, sixteen to nine, so pies. Obviously, that you know more pressure, and then on top of it, lead inside fifty. So when you lead the tackles and inside fifties, you're not going to lose the game too often. So not sixteen very to nine often, and no. fifty nine to fifty. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the thing, when you're generally leading those sort of indicators, and they were pretty competitive from marks inside 50 as well. So, you know, big big credit to the the Pies. They sit at fifth now, and they're, they're still very much in touch with the finals. And they got over what could have been a very much a tough hurdle. Yeah, absolutely. Had they lost this game, all of a sudden they're looking very shaky form-wise, but on the teetering edge of not playing finals after such a brilliant first half of the year. Yeah, that's it. So next game, really interesting game, and did it get tight? So the Giants versus the Crows. We always sort of felt the Crows would go out of the finals race swinging. And, yeah, didn't they ever? So really interesting game. And the Giants, definitely really impressive on the night. So down in, up from where we are, down wherever you are, in Canberra. So Giants, Crows, 106-92, 15-16. So Giants a bit inaccurate there, 13-14. Really interesting game. I really enjoyed watching this. Giants by 14 points in the end. Massive credit to the Giants to to win this game. I mean, it really is another game that they're able to get over with even more tolls than the injuries. Yeah, so Shaw looks like it's injury, you know, that's it. That that's looks it. like his injury is going to be for the yeah. season, so... Yeah, if they get to the grand final, he might be a chance. But you would think that if he didn't play any of the games in the lead-up, that if they're getting to a grand final, they go into that grand final unchanged. But who knows? Yeah, so it doesn't look good. They reckon potentially a six-week injury. So not ideal, but we'll wait and see what happens. So three degrees in camera, so it was pretty yeah. much freezing. Yeah. 
Walker didn't do much, so that's something we'll have to talk about. So the Walker-Kelly uh, incident. So Walker wrote off old mate Kelly from the Giants and cussed him and he had to be helped off the ground. And another incident of Walker just using himself as a yeah, sort of bowling been... ball just to try to at least impact something. I mean, we're talking about a guy that a lot of people, and talking other captains within the league, thought he's the captain's captain and now he is... His form is... But what he's showing on the field is far from ideal as a leader. Yeah. I mean, to, to do sling tackles... And like, he threw him too. Threw, yeah, the second motion is unacceptable. I get that he's probably frustrated with his own form. He can't be frustrated with the team form. They're doing everything they can to come from death's bed to play finals and then obviously they're not now because of no. this so that's it so in case we weren't clearing that early that's Adelaide it are out yeah that's they it. can't they can't get there now so they'll, they'll have 12 wins even if they win the next two so that's it yeah. so you need 13 so. you need 13 Sorry. as a bare minimum yeah, yeah. and they'll, they'll lick their wounds they'll go back to the drawing board and and obviously they've obviously a big chance to win the next two games and they'll probably want to have that momentum going into the, the postseason and then preseason but Tex Walker someone's going to pull him aside I I think it's time for him to step down at um, Adelaide. I think Sloan makes sense. Yeah, I, don't either... know, I don't know what, like, I know, he, I mean, yeah, it's hard. There's a lot of dynamic to it. But, I mean, there was all that pressure on him recently. He was asked a lot of questions. And I, the, the, I've heard from yeah, a player, actually, so he probably would have a pretty good idea. He's relatively close to him. That... Sloan was not, you know, necessarily too pleased to to not get the captaincy last time. So I think you will when you get um, vice captain for the All Australian <laughs> a couple of times behind Selwood. You go well, yeah. probably should be the captain of the club of play. For... I'd like to see the club play with him as captain, but who, I mean, yeah, obviously but, we can't. Well, obviously we can't, but I mean, ultimately, you know, one can't outside of the, the four no, walls of the club. But I mean, how many times have we seen in history where the captaincy has been relinquished and that player goes, oh, I can just play. Footy again, and they. Come I think it's. Back I think it'd be better for Walker, and it would be better for Sloan. I think it would tick both boxes. Yeah, absolutely. And or any, I mean, any number of midfielders in that team. They've. they've I mean, even Rory. I mean, Rory Atkins getting old, but um, I think Sloan's the obvious choice, or one of the Couch brothers, a Crouch brothers. Sorry, and yeah, that's that's my two cents worth. And I think so too. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, look, it was it was an entertaining game, Adelaide. Um, obviously threw everything at uh, GWS. GWS, oh, just so much class. And, and knowing the ground better than Adelaide probably helped. And just the, the width of the ground, they could spread the Crows often. I mean, the Crows did really well to get that close within 14 points. But let, let's get into the Giants because we've done a bit of the overview. Let's look at the Giants because we do have to keep moving. But Giants were fantastic. Whitfield, so 30 possessions. I mean, hasn't he just become... He's my heat check. Well, he's become the player, I think, that so many people really said he was in his youth and a lot of people were sort of like really is he that player but now in the yeah. first he's becoming so yeah absolutely uh, and it's not ideal that this guy's not playing because he's elite but having no Scully I think has really helped yeah. Whitfield he played a lot off the back pocket and half back and he still does but he's pushed up along the wing a lot more where he can use his pace so he's not a big frame body but he's so silky and smooth he's an elite runner had 30 touches and as you can see outside four contested 24 
uh, uncontested, went at 80% efficiency, kicked a goal, had one goal assist, nine score involvements, 11 marks, one of which was in 50, yeah, three tackles, two clearances, five inside 50s, six rebound 50s. That is a complete game. And yeah, he's really starting to repay the faith that um, the, They've the showed GWS him after had. The, yeah. After the draft thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Look, I- yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a massive point out of this game. I thought he was fantastic, and he's just become that player. And look, I thought Lobb was pretty good in the ruck as well against Jacobs. I was really impressed with his his game. I mean, Jacobs led the hit out fifty five to forty, but it was. I, I still thought you have forty that, hitouts. That's still pretty good. It's still not bad. Yeah, exactly. And I thought Tomlinson was in there a little bit as well. So I, I wasn't like he got completely obliterated for me. I mean. Ultimately, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think the Giants, you know, it's hard not to focus more on them because now the Crows are completely out. But look, the, the Giants have done so well all year at recalibrating when they've needed to. Mm-hmm. And, and they look really, really impressive. And, you know, sitting at third now, they're going to create some serious damage. And yeah, I mean, look, Jenkins, I thought, it's hard. We'll do a bit of the Crows and we'll finish up with the Giants. I mean, look, Jenkins, I thought he was pretty good. You know, Lynch... Gibbs is always trying, so but ultimately, yeah, I mean, the Giants just way too much polish to get it done, and the Crows will reset, they'll go back after the offseason, and you know, they will, you know, obviously get a lot of players back into next year, and they'll have another tilt at it. And you'd think that the Crows can bounce back seriously next year, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, not a non shining light, but he's always there, the co captain of um, GWS. Phil Davis. Yeah. He just goes about his business again. Um, obviously, stops quite a, achiever, yeah. quite achiever, stops a lot of forward, uh, forward uh, flungs from the uh, opposition, goes at unbelievable efficiency week in, week out. But as a uh, dire, not a dire, a dour um, defender, doesn't get talked about. But he's been absolutely, him and Callum Ward have been absolute phenomenal leaders for this club again. That's it. So we'll probably keep moving because we we just got to get through, and we've got twenty minutes, and we've got to get through three more games. So we better get going. But look, really, really good game. I thought it's worth watching, and I think look, the Giants are they're beautiful to watch. I, I really like the Giants. I think they're a great team, and, and you know, I, I think they're they're clearly going to go very deep this year. So marks inside fifty, so pretty even nine to ten tackles inside fifty seventeen to eleven inside fifty is pretty even. So for the Giants, just doing so much more with it and. The Crows really hung in there. They really wanted to make a fight for finals and, and at least try to provide some sort of fight to the back end. And they absolutely did in this game. Yeah. But it, oh, overall, it's been a disappointing season. But you, you can't not factor in their horrific injury list. And yeah, absolutely. We will. Um, so a bit of a heads up for you guys as listeners as well. We will do a season review for every team. But we are actually going to wait till after the trade period. So we're, we're aside from anything, we're both pretty busy leading up to the finals and with all the normal episodes. But we are going to do a you know the full reviews. But we will wait till the season's done. So yeah, once absolutely. we know post post the trade period, so we can go through every team and we'll review their season and and how they fared in the trade period and so on and so forth. And it won't be eighteen weeks. It won't be one every round. No, no, no. We will. <laughs> Because we would barely get there by the next season. Yeah. Now, we'll do... I think we'll probably do six, six, and six. So, we'll see how long they go for. But we'll probably do six teams, six teams, six yeah. teams across three different weeks. So, we might drop them as fast as we can, depending on how much we can record.
board in a week and it might be a bit hard because they'll yeah. be pretty long but there'll be a lot to cover but we will we're obviously going to cover the trade period outside of that so it might be a bit of an overall trade discussion but then we'll do the deeper chats around the trade absolutely so we'll keep moving into the north dogs game so yeah so today so today's game so if you didn't catch it at the start we're actually recording on mm. sunday for something different because we've got a bit on tomorrow that we can't record so fresh off uh a, an entertaining Sunday, finally. Interesting Sunday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had the dogs obviously massively upset North. We had, you know, another away win in Sydney upset the D's. And then Freo nearly lost to the... The, 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 the Catton. The Catton. But ended up getting it done. So we better skate through this pretty quickly. But yeah. look, yeah, I mean, fantastic effort, I thought, from the, the doggies to get this done. So obviously, big thing, Dal Morris, 250, you know, so 85 to 92. So only seven points in the end. But incredible, Dal Morris is, you know, he is the Terminator of football. And, you know, he's he's, he's had 400,000 injuries. But he's... He's fo- played 250 games. He's 400 years old. About 35. That's yeah. it. Yeah, he's pretty much much Burgoyne's age he's the same age as Yoda but he's been able to you know mount about 100 and odd less games but amazing amazing effort and they really got it done for him and he I mean that's yeah that, that it really felt like that at the end the way they embraced him at the very end it looked like they absolutely loved this guy and why wouldn't you imagine running out with him oh he, what a warrior of AFL football he has gone through so much physically he's had to get up mentally obviously like we're talking about a guy that's probably seen three different incarnations of football. good of football and 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 very good west uh, western bulldogs teams yeah. he was he was there back, back when it was called footscray wasn't it yeah yeah that's right i think i think he, he played, played his against, first game at Witten oval he he was he was back against fred fanning he that's how, <laughs> yeah. that's how long played he's with playing. teddy Witten. he smashed him that day but at least he learned a lot that day though. Yeah. So. so no he's he's endured a lot and seen a lot of good footballers come and go and it's just great to see him play 250 and the boys get up around him and and win for him so the doggies are actually starting to play some really good football it's just a shame that they didn't have this type of football in them throughout the the year again like Adelaide though have been devastated with um, injuries, injuries and still have got some key key players and when I say key players we're talking Captain Easterwood you mean the star. dogs I mean the dogs yeah, sorry yeah. the dogs yeah decimated um, <laughs> who did I say you said the crows oh the crows oh, no, no, oh sorry both oh, so been comparing so yeah comparing so but we are talking about dogs we're off the, off the crows <laughs> off the charts uh, here yeah off the charts um, there's a lot of games to get into out. there is uh, but they were great uh, lots of uh, of the ball movers of the doggies got a lot of lead poison, uh, leather poisoning yeah. uh, 40 35 40 44 there's just some numbers from some players so that's it they, they were fantastic so we might go through this one a bit quickly and then do the D's and the Swans and then we'll rip through the Freya Blues game unfortunately if you I don't think there's too many Carlton fans still listening to this podcast at or this listen, stage or listening year. to football at all no I think they probably have gone to the gate by now but the the Freo supporters probably not a heap of them either but the, that was a good game but we will we will do a bit more into this and we might have to do a bit of a hybrid version of the preview to talk a bit about some of these games because we are ripping through them but it was hard not to talk about the Hawthorne Geelong game. I think we did about half an hour in the game, but it was hard not to. It was such a good game. There were so many, so many side stories to it. But look, North Dogs, yeah. Look, this was a really ridiculous. This, I mean, there's two. It's one of those games. So two, two angles. So North, really poor. 
to lose this game is about as poor as it comes. They were put five goals at halftime. So let's let's do a bit of a recap. So two two to one four nine five to four seven. So you thought, oh yeah, dogs are appalling in the second half. That's it. Eleven ten to twelve nine, and then twelve thirteen to thirteen fourteen. So completely, you know, incredible capitulation. And you know, Goldstein was pretty good. Wait, another probable suspension as well. Back to his old mate. Wait. Yeah, he's gone back to his Carlton days. Old mate Catton, and then old mate Wood was okay, but then, geez. So they, they held this basically the whole game in a very Port Power style. See you later at the very end. Yeah. And, yeah, it's shocking stuff. I mean, how do you beat West Coast and then lose to a insanely depleted Dogs? How, how is that possible? Yeah. Um, the, the Northerners, I mean, there is such... We, look... You got to factor in they're a young side. They're they're playing a bit out of their skin. They've been really impressive all year. But how they've managed to make yeah, how they've managed to do what they've done and then simultaneously end up where they're ending up is is amazing. So look, a lot of North was pretty good all day, and that's the thing. It's a very hard game to sort of dissect. And then you know the dogs kind of hung in there and all of a sudden figured out how to play a second half. They realized, yeah. oh, hang on, the game's not over. Oh, what? Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was fifty minute games. Hang on, sorry, sorry. And then they came out and all of a sudden we're, we're quite good. So super, but but so so balanced. Hunter was amazing. Yeah. So Hunter. So those numbers I I yelled out before. Hunter, Daniel, McRae, Pontembelli, sorry. So Hunter had 44 touches. Daniel had 40. McRae had 40. Bont had 35 and kicked two goals. McLean and, was good too. And McLean and Johannesson were good. They all, like, 75, 80% efficiency. They just dominated. Yeah. They just, they ran like a pack of dogs. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Dunkley literally. went at 88% as well. So, old mate, old mate, literal pack of dogs. Yeah. So, but yeah, just, they're, they're, they're tier, they're second tier, because that's basically what the Dogs team is at the moment because they got all, all of their top tiers out. Yeah, vast majority of it. Their second tier looks awesome, and they might actually be really better off for this run, having you know so much exposure to top football because half of these players wouldn't have played anywhere near this many yeah, games if they Cro- hadn't had these sort of injuries. Hayden Crozier, all of a sudden, is he's going to be hard to be knocked out of this their best twenty-two. Yeah. Like he's been great for the last couple of weeks and had a really good game again today. So McLean was really good. Dunkley was good. Cool. Injured. Yeah, so no, they, they're they're on the right path. Obviously, uh, look as it, we've said multiple times, the injuries have not helped the dogs because physically they're not a big side, height or muscle wise. They haven't got a lot of big bodies, and a lot right. of the injuries have been to those those players. So. Yeah, disappointing by North. I thought they would have come out and shown a lot more fight in this game, a lot on the line. They had to win this. Yeah, so it's very hard. I mean, they've still got winnable games for the last two rounds, but they're two games out. Like It's very hard for them to play finals now, which is disappointing. But we did say this may happen to them because it's such a young list. And it's still been a very good season for Northern. If you're a North supporter, you can't be too disappointed if they just miss out on finals. No. But at the same time, you're disappointed because so- they... That's it. Well, right now, North sitting on 11 wins. If they win the next two, they're on 13. So there's still a chance to win 44-109. They've got a handy percentage, so... Well, it's okay, 109. But, yeah, I mean, they, they have to win. I mean, the big problem is Geelong's is 117. And they're yeah, probably going to belt that's... the next two games. That's the big, big... Yeah, big they'll problem. probably get up to about But had they won this game, that's when it starts to make it tough for Geelong. Yeah. Especially with Geelong losing to the Hawks. That's why I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. I, I, so, I was tied up through today. I, I didn't see... This game live, but watching you know most of it subsequently, I, I just can't. I mean, I can't understand how they weren't able to get this done, especially knowing they knew going into the game the reality uh, of the, the ladder. 
Yeah. So the reality is, especially with Geelong losing to Hawthorne, it was, oh, yes, yes. That, they would have loved Hawthorne betting Geelong. Mm. That means that it puts them in a perfect position. So shocking stuff. And, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely go a bit heavier into North, maybe into the preview as well, because we do have to keep moving. But, yeah, absolutely. Look, fantastic win from well, the, dogs. the Dogs. Big, big, big credit. And, you know... We both think the dogs 2.0, you know, Bevo 2.0 looks interesting. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it next year, especially with so much of it back. And hopefully they can get a good run of injuries and knock it to second week and lose Libra and the next week lose Eastern Wood yeah. and the next week. Everything falls away by the bye and then they just get dominated in the second half. But yeah, ideally, I, I think North just had to get this done. I yeah. mean, they had to get it done. It was, it was pretty much the must win of the year. Yeah, and they didn't, so... Yeah, it looks pretty poor. Yeah, but um, before we move into the next game, big kudos to all the fans, because they did get just under 30,000 there. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, got 27,500 or 28,000 there, which Oregon's great, considering that... It's good for football. Yeah, one team aren't playing finals, and not likely to, and the other team were about to... On the verge, but they don't have us, yeah. well, they don't have the no, best no. best um, membership. So it was good to see that a lot of people got out to that game today. So next game, we better keep going. Seventy eight to eighty seven, Swannies upsetting the unbelievable, disappointing team. Busted ass, the busted ass, mental fragility. You know what is going? Jr. Smith team. This is so Jr. Like Smith breakdown. The... What are we doing? JR don't know Smith what's going on. Jr. Smith of the AFL. What is going on? Seventy eight to eighty seven. Nine points. So we watched this game together live. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. Like my, I do not barrack for Melbourne, but I felt my left arm to a jink. How these supporters do it, I have absolutely no idea. They are the most frustrating team to watch. I think potentially in the whole league. I mean, North obviously very frustrating in that last game, but they were, most people picked them to be bottom of the ladder or towards the bottom. Mm. We had them a bit better than that, but still had them well out of the eight. But tell you what, this was a disgrace in a lot of respects. Absolutely. Really poor from their top tier as well. I thought Gorn was was fine. You know, didn't I, dominate like no. Does. I, I thought Oliver got smashed through a lot of the game. Yep. Kennedy owned him through pieces of the game, which was wild. Uh, look, this was just this was shocking to lose this game. So a bit of a recap. So as I said, seventy-eight to eighty-seven, two-six, one-one. So Melbourne leading quarter time. Three. This is not an error. Three twelve. Three twelve. Seven two and then seven fourteen as uh, in the Hudson sort of. Voice. Yeah. So in that second quarter, that within a five minute, no four minute period, oh. Sydney kicked five goals. Unbelievable! Five goals in four minutes, and that that just broke the back and probably put a lot of the his, stress. They they went to the demons. Here's your other demons in your head. Off you go. Hogan looks shot. Well, I don't know why inj- they keep why do they keep mentally. playing him. Stop playing him. Man. Yeah, if he's injured, don't play him. His ball drops awful. He's so out of form. His running patterns are cooked. I, I just. Cannot understand what's going on. And Cam Pedersen, on, on the other hand, Ugh. for a person who gets to play two oh. games a year, looks so much better, more yeah. confident on the field. Give him that opportunity. Please. And just let Hogan get some, I don't know, whatever he oh. needs, but get him off next two weeks. Some West Coast Aaron Yeah, probably. I, yeah, I agree. He, he looked horrible. I think it hurts Melbourne. I don't know what's going on. We obviously don't know the internals. He, you know, who knows what's going on with him. But, it, but it's not ideal. But he's not playing AFL football standard football so get him off and give someone like Cam Pedersen who's been hanging around going I do everything you ask me to do and when I get my chance I'm pretty good and I reckon he'd be a good um, combo with my mate Tom McDonald 
Well, McDonald as well. I mean, they both miss really key opportunities early. Yeah, I mean, it's Brayshaw. He tries and tries. He's you and I were talking about during the game. Is he their best player? I mean, you've got to say almost yes at the moment. Petrarca and all these sort of guys seem to be stacked with missing. talent, but they're just so inaccurate and and just really inefficient. And yeah. Lewis looks pretty. Sl- he, I mean, Lewis he's elite, looks slow. Elite still with beautiful field, yeah, but, but he, yeah, yeah, he gets caught out, and that's because um, he's old. I'm old in the scheme of things, but old for football. He should have these young guys um, supporting him and giving that freedom to be able to use his elite kicking, but it's just not happening. They're just not working as a team anymore. So poor. Yeah, very poor. And on the other side, though, yeah, the Swannies, bloody let's hell, that. they love playing at the MCG. So a bit of a recap. So Alex Johnson, unbelievable. He's done his sixth, looks like he's done yeah. his sixth knee. So about as com- sad as it gets. I think it's confirmed. I was just looking at the socials. Why don't you have a look, there, have a look and... there and see if that's come out now? Yeah. So we're recording this late on Sunday night. So, yeah, look, Johnson injury, wow. Just shocking to happen again. Looks like he's done a really horrible injury. So when that happened, it's quite early on in the game. Swans were quite rattled, and which was probably fair enough. But then they they really started to steady, you know, after five or ten minutes, especially in that second quarter, and they really started to, you know, beautiful accuracy accuracy as well, seven two. And look, buddy, you know, buddy's. You know, just supporting that offensive structures. You know, he ended up kicking two five. I yeah, believe. two five. So yeah, two five. So look. It, <laughs> Good player, and he obviously he's an amazing player. But I mean, in terms of the day, but yeah, I mean, he he supports their structures really well and and creates some really good blocks. But back into the game, Heaney took one of the marks of the year, if not the mark of the year. That was unbelievable. It was beautifully constructed, and he held it the whole way down. That was incredible. And then you know that that obviously switching him down back late. Beautiful coaching from Horse and the team. I thought he was fantastic. And Stevie J would have been really really happy with their offensive style throughout the day as well but a lot of things out of this game I'd love to go into it further but we've only got a few minutes to go so look Swans were just simply better and simply more effective and they exposed Melbourne's mental weaknesses and it's about as poor as it comes so yeah but what do you think out of this game? Where, where do you where do you feel this is is going to end up for the Swannies? Do you think they can still make finals? Yeah, absolutely. Are they going to hold position? Yeah, I think the Swans stay now. Uh, they've got a couple of very tough games though in Giants and Hawks. That, so you, you would think they need to win one of them. The thing for me though is the teams below them have to win two. Yeah. And Melbourne have got West Coast in Perth. Yeah. And then the Giants after that. So they've got a really tough game. Obviously, Geelong are probably sitting in a good position with two home games to two bottom dwellers. Yeah. But yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me if the Swannies continue this little bit of form and they love getting up against the Giants. So Giants, obviously, a couple of key injuries, not key injuries, but another couple of injuries doesn't help, especially uh, Heath Shaw. Heath Shaw has been serviceable as always. Yeah. And just that experienced head, great composure off the halfback. I, I, I don't know if that helps Sydney a little bit, but we'll wait and see. I, but that was a win that they needed to have, unlike North. Sydney yeah. got it done. So, yeah, good on them. And, and they'll love 
continuing to play away from the SCG. Melbourne's um, positioning, I thought, was really poor on the day as well. They're just so ineffective. Their, their defensive half is just unorganised and just so inefficient. I know we keep saying it, but you know, there's only there were sections of the day where Melbourne's ball movement was quite good. They pushed late, but yeah, I mean, they were winning inside 50s, 42 to 37, but they were still losing significantly. So it, it, frustrating stuff. And then once again, just decision making at the back end of the game, horrible. Spargo, you know, just completely, you know, just butcher the ball like. They just completely make horrible decisions. And once again, Sydney's experience just holds out. You know, they just waste so much time at the back end of the game and drag the clock out and smart. Yeah. They, they know what they're doing and they've done it so many times. And too much reliance on... Um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. Um, captain. Just had a mind blank. McVeigh. No, Melbourne's... Oh, uh, Melbourne's captain now, Viney's gone. No, the other guy. Oh, Jones. Jones. Yeah. Reliant, too much reliance on Jones to get the contest, contested footy yeah. and then be on the outside run. Again, Oliver sometimes helps. And then obviously, Viney so when Viney's there, yeah. So, I mean, these overuse the ball as well. Everything like they overuse the ball, overuse the boundary. Like that's a, that. Yeah. yeah, don't get it direct enough. Poor, just poor strategy, poor structure, and I don't necessarily know whether that was coaching. Might have been just, just, just them. But yeah, look, really, really poor on the day. I just cannot believe another game. So uh, the most ridiculous aspect of Melbourne this year is they beat teams below them and they lose. To to teams above them and again it just continually happens and you know McVeigh on Hogan says a lot about what the Swans think of you know where McVeigh's at oh, not well, McVeigh, McVeigh, where, where's at. Hogan at yeah. that's the thing I mean Swans put McVeigh on Hogan it really shows that you know that they know he's got no he's meant to be this elite runner with incredible speed and didn't show up today no, so. limping can't kick for goal has a horrible ball drop as you said his form at the moment is terrible so he, I mean just stop I mean look he, he's not providing anything he's, he's clocking up the, the first so bring somebody in that can provide something else and I know that's hard when he's such a quality player but we better keep moving we will touch into these two teams into the preview because we do have to keep going but Frio Blues which is a sounds like a terrible team but Frio it was Mano Blues yeah but they yeah. weren't the Blues they were that horrid away strip again 101-72 so Freeman are getting the job done in the end bit of a scare though so it looked like the cat and we're going to get it done so 1-4 to 3-6 5-7 7, 7 8 12-10 to 7-10 15-11 2-10-12 was interesting to watch a bit of this game I thought you know obviously so quite quickly because we'd have to smash through this and then finish Freeman or we're just you know they were steady early on imagine if Carlton didn't have Simpson imagine what this this, this team would be like watching this game I mean imagine without Simpson imagine what this team would look like it would look horrific I was thinking imagine if they didn't have creeps yeah <laughs> they would not see the ball in their forward half ever ever, ever. yeah they are like oh, considering how much top end talent they've been given through the draft mm. it's says a lot about the club as overall and just so obviously very two, disappointing. Yeah. So obviously two teams that are well and truly out of finals, so we're not gonna definitely not gonna go deep into this game. But not a lot to talk about. I mean Carlton were, were pretty poor. They were okay for patches, but yeah. Fremantle ended up getting it done away. Carlton just don't have the, the no. depth or the but skill I, or the strategy to get and it done. And at the same time I'm horrible by Fremantle. The fact that they were allowing well, Carlton to be armed. No five but no five no sandlance. They're you know they're too Again, still, well, that's still, what I mean that's <laughs> that's scary it's, that it's they've damning, got to... Yeah. Well, we, I think you and I definitely think that they're in danger of getting to the the, the, the 
the mire if they don't figure out new structures and 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 yeah. bring a few people in. Absolutely, yeah. Big big concerns over in the west with Fremantle and how. I mean, they should have won this by eighty points. Well, should have won it by at least thirty five forty. Yeah, because Catton are they're horrid. terrible. Yeah. They're horrid. Like, they're, <laughs> they're outrageous. Yeah, their yeah. best players sore and battered. I mean, the, put it this way: if you had to watch this game uh, under the shoulder blade, you could actually see that Cripps had had fresh cupping. The the mark was still there. So <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was still there. It's like big red. Uh, if you don't know what, if you know what cupping, like if you've ever had a hickey on your neck, it's a much bigger version of that. It's so. two girls, one cap sort of stuff. No. Yeah, so sort of like that. But it was clear as day. So he's obviously had the weight of the world on his shoulders carrying this pathetic team they've dropped off the they've blues. dropped off uh, they're not looking very good no, that's probably the most polite way I can put it they definitely look pretty busted ass yeah they're, they're looking forward to the JLT Cup <laughs> well they won <laughs> yeah they won they we were can, quite good they can have some shiny I don't know if they won I don't know what wins it in their, they, head, they, in their head they won they <laughs> So we'd better keep moving. Sorry to bang through that. I don't think we're going to upset anyone smashing through that last game. But sorry we had to bang through the Melbourne, Sydney, North and Dogs game and even probably the Genesis Adelaide game. We just had... There was a lot of football to talk about and we had to go into that Hawks-Geelong game because it was such a good game. And... Luckily for us, we've got two more things that we record anyway. for this week that we'll probably talk about other games. We'll hit them. So thanks so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Check out Hopster Home, hopsterhome.com.au, craft beer delivery service. They're a great sponsor of ours. Check out the Beyond the Game live show on Tuesday night, 7.30pm, Australian Eastern Standard so Time. on Facebook. Facebook, Beyond the Game, Facebook. Check it out. Enjoy the preview, which will be up soon. This should be Monday. See you soon. Yeah, so something different. Monday. That's it. We're ahead of all the shows. Yeah. And enjoy your week and we'll see you Tuesday next night. Time. Tuesday night. Bang. Done. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye.